Hey, do you know I have a YouTube channel? YouTube.com slash Bill Simmons. You can find clips from this podcast. You can find complete episodes. You can find rewatchables episodes. You can find old videos that we've done on The Ringer since 2016. Draft coverage, a special 1984 NBA draft thing I did recently. Find it all. YouTube.com slash Bill Simmons. This episode of the Bill Simmons podcast is presented by State Farm. If you've ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened, your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. Make this summer the best one yet. Invest in a Simply Safe home security system. I have one. I love it. It's a great way to protect your home when you're not there. Um, you need one, especially during the summer. You know what burglars know? People go away during the summer. That's what happens. So when you're away, you want to make sure your place is protected. You want to make sure that you potentially have little camera things you can watch on your phone to see what, what's happening at your house, at your front door, inside. You deserve some peace of mind. Get it today with Simply Safe. Right now, get 20% off any new Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com slash BS. There's no safe like Simply Safe. We're also brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network. We did the 250th movie, The Rewatchables, on Monday. Scent of a Woman to celebrate. We made every episode of the Rewatchables available on all platforms. So if you've missed anything from the past and for whatever reason, you just didn't know where to find them. Well, now you can find them wherever you listen to podcasts. The Godfather, The Town, Shawshank, Top Gun. I mean, God, we've done so many great ones. They are all available wherever you get your podcasts. If you're trying to prepare for your fantasy draft for football, Matthew Barry is coming up a little bit later. Uh, don't forget to check out TheRinger.com. Our fantasy football guide is exceptional. Our fantasy football podcast, The Ringer Fantasy Football Show, also really good. Go check that out as well. And then The Ringer NFL Show every day is breaking down a different big subplot of the season. Ringer Gambling Show, same thing. They've been doing futures like best division bets, best long shot bets. So we are uh, we're covering football all over the place. Rosillo's podcast as well. Coming up on this podcast, I have a little something at the top. I'm going to try something in the first segment. And then after that, Danny Kelly, Ben Solak, Steven Ruiz from The Ringer, we're going to try to figure out who is the highest scoring team of the 2022 NFL season, which you can now gamble on, which we'll talk about during the segment. And then last but not least, Matthew Barry, formerly of ESPN, formerly we were teammates at ESPN, now he's at NBC, and we're going to do our annual fantasy preview. He's going to tell us why he made the move to NBC, and uh, fun to talk to him. As always, it's all next. First, our friends from Pearl Jam. All right, we're taping this on a Tuesday afternoon. When I was on my break 
I was messing around with ideas for a segment that I could do at the top of the podcast, like 10 minutes, 12, 15 minutes, whatever. Just things that weren't totally worth the segment, but I wanted to talk about it anyway. Like things that are like basically too good for tweets, not quite good enough for their whole segment. So then I was thinking it's a little like happy hour where uh, somebody shows up at four o'clock and you have the half price app, the apps, you're like, hey, you want some mozzarella sticks? You want some chicken wings? It's a little like that. These aren't entrees. They're more appetizers. So then I was thinking in Beautiful Girls when they go to uh, Stinky's Bar and he's trying to get them to eat the apps. He's like, I got free apps. I got free apps. So I guess I would call this segment free apps. Call it happy hour, but I feel like there's a million happy hour TV show gimmicks. Um, I'm going to go free apps for this unless somebody can come up with a better name. I have some free apps for you. First of all, the Kevin Durant saga, which allegedly is over. They released a joint statement today, the Brooklyn Nets. They said KD, Joe Sy and his wife, Rich Kleiman, KD's business manager, Steve Nash and Sean Marks all met somewhere and they all agreed that the saga is now over. They're moving on. Kevin Durant will be a Brooklyn Net. So I immediately went to Twitter and thanked him for the two months of content for The Ringer on behalf of everyone in The Ringer. It was great. Podcasts, written pieces, uh, all wonderful stuff. We know the real reason the saga is ending because there wasn't a team desperate enough to trade him and because Brooklyn smartly said, we're not trading him unless we get an unbelievable offer. And that's it. We're not giving away. We're not trading him 40 cents in the dollar. This is what I predicted on this podcast two months ago. That desperate team never came, but I don't think the saga is over. I think it's on pause. I think both sides know that once the season starts, things change. Teams become unhappy with their rosters. Players become unhappy. You just never know. So this is a hedge your bets move by everyone involved. You end the drama. Joe Sy clearly put his foot down. And you just say, let's go into the season. Let's see if we can figure this out. Maybe Ben Simmons will be healthy. Maybe Kyrie will be happy. Look at our roster. What if TJ Warren's healthy? Try to talk yourself into some sort of reality that Brooklyn's a contender. What's interesting is I think their odds to win the title on FanDuel were 7-1 before all this started, and now they're back at 7-1, which I just disagree with because this is a team that got their ass kicked by the Celtics. The best case scenario for this would be the 2007-2008 Lakers. Kobe has the trade request that summer. He wants out. Depending on what you believe, he almost went to Chicago. He definitely almost went to Detroit. That one seemed to be true. I think it was Rip Hamilton and Tayshaun Prince and lots of picks and Jerry Buss who one of the best owners of all time and eventually uh, a really good character on an HBO show. He put his foot down and he said, what are we doing? We're not giving away Kobe. This guy's one of the best players in the league. Stop. Ends up keeping him. So I, I went back and I looked up that 2008 Lakers season because everything changes on the, uh, one of the darkest days for Boston fans or people who hate the Lakers. When, uh, when the Lakers stole Pau Gasol a couple weeks before the trade deadline, one of the most indefensible trades we've had just because they didn't shop him. Nobody in the league knew he was available. It was the one time in the last 15 years that other teams reacted like fantasy football owners who didn't realize that their drunk friend just traded their best quarterback and didn't even shop the, the quarterback. The Lakers were 28 and 16 on that Friday, which as I've said many times, I was with my father in Arizona at an outdoor bar, having a great time, 
killing time, killing 48 hours until the Pats went 19 to go against 19 to 0 against the Giants. Guess what happened? Pau Gasol gets traded. I can still see it on that little TV. And we're like, wait, that's all that's all they gave up for him? That's it? Kwame Brown? Crittenden? It's like they freaking stole him. Where was everybody else? We're having a heart attack about it. And then two days later, the Pats lost the Giants. Not the most awesome weekend, other than it was a, a birthday trip for my dad. But the Lakers were 28 and 16 on the day of that trade. Kobe scored 46 that night. They were 29 and 9 after the trade. They were 65 and 17 the next season. And my point is this if you're going to say that the parallels, to this situation or the Kobe thing 15 years ago, they still need the Pau Gasol type trade. And what all of this does is it buys time. Like, could Simmons be in that trade? Could it be Kyrie Irving on an expiring contract? Could they patch some pieces and maybe it's Joe Harris and a couple contracts and they're taking on somebody else's expensive uh, asset because somebody wants to dump salary or they want to reboot or whatever? They're buying time to see if they can get their version of the Pau Gasol trade. Right now, I don't think they have one of the three best teams in the East, and I don't even think it's really arguable. I think the Celtics are better. I think Milwaukee is better. I think Miami is better. And then if whatever we get from Harden, if Harden is closer to three years ago Harden than the last two years Harden, then Philly's probably better. But regardless, um, they bought themselves some time. And if you're KD, what are you going to do? You can be as mad as you want, but you're under contract for four years and they weren't going to trade you for 30 cents in the dollar. Which brings me back to my point. I don't think this saga is over. I think it's on pause. So that's my first one. My second free app for you. It's free app gimmick. Not bad. I don't mind it. I was thinking about the concept of the Friday news dump, which is just, I think it, the, the roots of it started in Hollywood, but now it's all over the place and sometimes it happens in sports. The Friday news dump, when there's bad news you want to get out there, a lot of times people wait till 5.30, 6 o'clock on a Friday night because it's the best time to kind of drop something and then there's not some news cycle after. I remember this happened to me right, right when I had my HBO show. They got rid of the guy who ran HBO, Michael Lombardo, and it was a classic Friday news dump. It was like 3 o'clock. Friday. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, what's happening? What's the reverse of the Friday news dump? I think we have seen over the last year or so with this just bizarre reporting scoop infrastructure that we have now that I don't think anybody really likes. There's this new thing, especially in the NBA. I, I don't see it in the other sports. It's really NBA driven. Where on a Monday, there's some story that comes out that is supposed to basically get the news cycle going for the next 24 to 48 hours. And in some cases, you can see the reporters basically holding the story until that Monday so they can start the cycle. And the goal is like, you drop that thing, the story comes out, and then First Take talks about it, all the podcasts can talk about it, it's on PTI, and it just, the cycle starts. It's the opposite of the Friday news dump. I think it's called the the Monday News Reach is my working title. because. It's never really awesome news. It always feels flimsy. Maybe it's the Monday news, Monday flimsy news, something like that. A good example yesterday, Sham Sharania on The Athletic, he wrote a piece about how the Grizzlies were, you know, kicking the tires on Kevin Durant. And then you read the article and it's like, yeah, they have a bunch of picks. 
but John Morant's off limits, and so is Desmond Bain, and so is Jaron Jackson. It's like, is it? Wait, does that mean the Grizzlies are interested in Kevin Durant? Because I'm sure they're interested in him if they could get him for ten cents on the dollar. That sounds great. Yeah, here's Stephen Adams and some crappy picks. Over and over again on Mondays, this seems to happen. There was another one where it was like, um, you know, like if you go back on the Mondays, it's always like Kyrie Irving would love to go to the Lakers. It's like I'm sure he would. I'm sure he doesn't want to be in the Nets anymore. I'm sure he would love to go to the Lakers. But guess what? The Nets aren't taking Russell Westbrook back. So you see these things where it's either it's planted by the it's planted by somebody who has something to gain from it. It's either a player that is trying to get some new narrative going about what city, what team, what what their future is going to be, or it's the team trying to lay down something. But either way, there's always some sort of agenda, and it's always on a Monday now. So the Monday flimsy news reach, I don't know. We need some sort of title. If you have any ideas, send them to Kyle. He looks at a, he looks at his Twitter request. My next one for you, I was on a text thread with Red Sox fans because we're, we're all like going nuts about this Red Sox season. And, you know, people get mad when the Boston fans, because we've had so much success over the last 20 years. And I guess we're just not supposed to care anymore when, when the teams go south. We're just be like, oh, we're supposed to be grateful that we had all these titles. We're not, we're not supposed to care about sports anymore. I, I never understood how that worked. So they win the title in 2018. It is the best start to finish Red Sox season ever. It is also the one, 100th anniversary of when they won the 1918 World Series. And within a year, they traded uh, Babe Ruth. And, you know, I was never a curse of the Bambino believer. It was more of an organizational failure thing that doomed this team over and over again. You go through like the Ted Williams era, you go through the 60s, you go, they work out people like Jackie Robinson, don't sign them. They were the last baseball team to not have a black player. Um, you go to the seventies, they have the best young team probably of the, of the decade. And by 1981, the team's been decimated, um, over and over again, it was organizational incompetence. And that was why the Red Sox always fell short. And yeah, there was DNA and, and there was the fatalism and you could feel it sometimes in Fenway. I wrote an entire book about this. It's called, no, now I can die in peace. Oh, four flips the Red Sox get their mojo. We become just another expensive sports franchise. They win four titles from 2004 to 2018. The fear is that the organizational incompetence error is back. It is not like, I'm not going to do the, oh, they traded Mookie and it's the curse of the Mookie bets. Like, I, I don't believe that. I do believe in the organizational incompetence. And you look at everything they've done Really for, I, we're looking at three years now from how they handled the Mookie thing on down. And on the, on our Off the Pike podcast, Brian Barrett did a great job of laying out just how terrible the GM Bloom was the last 10 months. Just every inexplicable decision. I my fear is that if, if now the old Red Sox are back, which I really hope that's not true. They have a good farm system, whatever, but that Mookie trade, as we get further and further away from it, you look at the Dodgers, I looked at the standings of the Dodgers are 84 and 36. Mookie's a big piece of it, obviously. Um, my fear is that Mookie trade is going to start to take this outsized kind of historical importance. And that was what I was on a text thread about because we knew in the moment, much like if you go back and you read anything about the late 1910s when they traded Babe Ruth, it's like, you're trading Babe Ruth? That guy's amazing. Why are you doing that? 
Um, and it was because they had an idiot owner. In this case, they already blew with bets. It feels like they've blown it with Bogarts, whether that's, you know, whether you want to pay him a hundred plus million, who knows. But then the Devers piece is the other major piece of this, that you have this guy in his mid-20s who the arrow is pointing up. You could have taken care of him for the year. You didn't. And I'm just getting a little worried the old Red Sox are back. It feels like the owners who, you know, they're trying to build this Fenway Sports Group empire. They're trying to get an NBA team in Las Vegas. That is not me guessing. That is a fucking fact. I'm telling you, they're trying to get an NBA team in Las Vegas. They bought the Penguins. They have Liverpool. They're trying to build this whole sports armada, basically, and they forgot about the Red Sox. So the Mookie trade, I'm just flagging it now. I really hope like seven years from now, that just doesn't become one of theirs. The same, because that's what I grew up with, with, with fucking narratives and people going, oh, and then, 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 then when we, the Carlton Fisk and you, go, you just go all the way through. I hope the old Red Sox aren't back. Uh, next thing for me, I was thinking about the, the, the Sean Watson thing in the NFL and, you know, obviously a reprehensible saga start to finish. Like it, it just couldn't have gone worse, really for anyone involved. The Cleveland, the Cleveland Browns, horrible for them. They, they just cu- couldn't have come off worse. Watson couldn't have come off worse, changed the story 10 times and, you know, just impossible to root for at this point. Goodell, yet another disaster for him, you know, and, and at this point, like if, if you go like a scale of one to 10 of Goodell fuck ups, Ray Rice, probably a 10. Bounty Gates, an eight and a half. I would say, let's say this was start to finish at least an eight. Um, and it's going to linger through the season. And, you know, what's interesting to me about the Watson thing is we, and maybe this was, I was writing pieces for ESPN and for Grantland at the end of the 2000s into the 2010s. And people were really critical of football really critical. Like we had all really had it with um, how violent the game was, how they were denying the concussions and the CTE, the old players. And it just, there, there seems something fundamentally like almost evil about the sport and how it was run. And all these rich billionaires just wreaking havoc over cities, forcing them to build stadiums, over the ex-players, um, the, their moral compass, everything just seemed way off to the point that it was starting to affect how people felt about football, including me. And I still loved it. I love gambling on it. I love playing fantasy. And yet, uh, love the Patriots, obviously. And, it, and we had a great ride with Brady and the crew. But there was something unseemly about football. And, you know, deep down, you're just kind of like, I wish I didn't like football this much. And I, I don't feel like I was the only one who felt that way. And I certainly wrote enough pieces about it in the moment where it was like, man, this just... This is just pretty brutal. Just all things considered, the human element of it, um, how they regard people, how they regard social situations. Like, it's just, I just wish I didn't like this league. And then you think like the, uh, then the Kaepernick situation happens and the national anthem and it's just on and on. It's just the league would just keep shooting itself in the foot. And, uh, and then the pandemic happened. And guess what? People really miss football. Now I feel like football is more powerful and impervious to criticism than ever before. If anything, this stuff seems to just bounce off people now. Like this Watson story was horrible. It was just horrible. Like if like my daughter doesn't care about football, but if she was 
a big football fan, I can't even imagine the conversations I would have about this with her. Um, and yet, ultimately, it's like people expect it now. They expect the worst from football at all times and they don't really care. It's like they we've all kind of looked at this and we've made our peace with it, how we feel, and we still watch it and we still care. And we just assume that a lot of times stuff is going to happen that is just really fucked up. And in in some cases, just socially unconscionable. Um, I don't know where this goes, but I do know that the NFL is worth more money than it's probably ever been worth before. The, the rights that they're going to get from the media, um, the next media deal, it's, it's going to dwarf everything. If you go look at the most popular broadcast of the year, it's like NFL, NFL across the board. Like even the NBA was trying to get momentum on Christmas. The NFL is like, fuck you. They put their games there on Christmas. They get five times the rating. And it's just like the NFL is unstoppable. And I think the difference in 2022 versus where we were in that 2008 to 2015 range was we, we still felt like there was a way that maybe, maybe things could change. Maybe, maybe there was some, some better way that the NFL could be. And I think now in 2022, everybody kind of sees it for what it is. And if you don't want to watch it anymore, you don't. And if you do want to watch it, you accept all the warts and they're fucking ugly. But the Watson thing, I think tied into that where um, it just feels like this is going to happen every year with this league where there's yet another thing and you go, huh, that fucking sucks. Jesus. And then, you know, you've already kind of made your decision. Um, I can't believe the NFL out of all the sports heading into like the mid 2020s here has weathered the storm better than any of the other ones. Like even like you think about the rule changes, like baseball, as the sport became more sophisticated over the last 20 years, it really hurt how much we enjoyed the sport, right? The shift, all the pitching changes, the emphasis on stats, the fact that we can't really argue about the stuff and the sport became way more localized. Um, it became slower to play. We had to put the, the, uh, the fence around, around uh, the stands because people kept getting hit with foul balls because they're looking at their phones. And just in general, like baseball just feels like, I was watching that Jeter documentary and baseball feels like it's in a worse place than it was 20 years ago. Um, basketball, you could argue in some ways is in a worse place, some way it's in a better place. I don't know with the style of play, it has shifted so far toward the threes that you could argue, even though that might be a little more interesting for fans and the spacing, but there's a generic way that it's played now that I'm not positive is great. I'm also not sure that Steph Curry, that three-pointers should be worth two points to the way it is. Like, should Steph Curry be the most dominant player in the league over Giannis? Um, they, so you could argue either way, right? With football, pretty much for the on-the-field product, everything is better, right? They made the game way safer. They protected quarterbacks in a totally different way. They made offense more fun and, um, and they made the game significantly less violent. So you could argue football from 2007, just as a, a competitive sport, um, the way it's played to now is in a much better place. So just conundrums everywhere with football. Um, it's a very strange time to be a football fan. And I think post-pandemic, when people were just looking for anything and football came back, that felt like the the moment when we just kind of, yeah, 
you just kind of move on. So, okay, we're gonna take a break. We're gonna come back. We're gonna talk to uh, the fellas from The Ringer. Kick off week one with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Join today to get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up with promo code BS to get in on the action. Then you can turn game day into payday all season long. We are about to do a segment where we're going to try to figure out the highest scoring team for the 2022 NFL season. There are ways you can bet on this. We are all going to give our picks. So stay tuned for that segment. Hint, I kind of like the Chiefs. I think they're 10 to 1. Yeah, step in on that. Play your way and bet on more than just the final score wager on everything from touchdowns to total yards to catches. You can even combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. Don't fumble your chance to get $150 of free bets, win or lose, with promo code BS. Make every moment matter more. With FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL, must be 21 plus in select states. First online real money wager only, $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable free bets that expire 14 days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Connecticut, 888-789-777. In Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Virginia, 1-800-GAMBLER. In Michigan, 800-270-7117. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. Tennessee red line is 800-889-9789. And in West Virginia, 1800-GAMBER.net. This episode is supported by State Farm. If you've ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened, your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car, or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm, is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. All right, bringing in the big guns here. Danny Kelly, Ben Solak, Stephen Ruiz, first appearance on the BS podcast. We're going to try to figure out um, <laughs> the best offense in the NFL through the proxy of highest scoring team. Why does highest scoring team matters? One, we can bet on it. In FanDuel, <laughs> I, I actually basically, I forced them to do uh, prop because it's been out there, but now it is on FanDuel. But two, Solak, a pretty good indication that you're going to be good at football if you score a ton of points. Turns out my research yeah. says this is a good thing to score lots of points. Yeah, this is one of those things that we really got to break down in depth here. But when you score a lot of them, tend to win the football games. Uh, it's funny, though, like when you go and you look back, the top scoring teams is actually like really volatile. I thought it was just going to be like the best offenses every year and go ahead. There's only one team in the last five years that's won the scoring title that in the year previous was even in the top 10 of top scoring teams, right? Like wow. the Cowboys won it last year. They were 16th the year before. Packers won in 2020, 15th the year before. Ravens in 2019, 13th the year before. When the Rams won it in 2017, they had been the last team in the league, 32nd in 2016. They obviously got McVay and that kind of changed their fortunes <laughs> a little bit. But it is like a bit of a one-off, which makes it fun. Because she's not like, oh, who do we bet? The Chiefs or the Bills? You can bet like zany teams here and be very justified. 
Ruiz, did you know Minnesota scored the most points last year? Because, I mean, I, I'm sorry, Dallas, because I did not know that. And by the way, it was pretty convincing. They finished with 530. Tampa had 511. They were the only teams that averaged 30 points a game. The next, the third team was Buffalo at 483. So did you, so you didn't know that? No, I was shocked. I shot when I looked it up today because I all I remember is like conversations in December and January where everyone was like, "This this scheme sucks. This offense sucks. They need to to evolve it." So yeah, when I looked that up, I was like, "So maybe we don't mm-hmm. need like the best team. We don't need to pick out the best team. Maybe it's not the Bills or the Chiefs. Maybe it's someone else." Do you know what uh, the secret sauce there was? What? So the the Buccaneers out outscored them in terms of passing touchdowns. They had forty three to Cowboys forty. And rushing touchdowns. They had 18 to the Cowboys, 15. But the Cowboys had nine return touchdowns. Defense. Because they had so many pick sixes. Because they were generating so many turnovers. The the next closest in terms of return touchdowns, which I think is like defense and special teams, was Miami with six. So the Cowboys were there at nine. So basically, like, we're going to try to figure out who's going to win the scoring title. But if somebody across the league decides (laughs) to Trevon Diggs, we're all screwed. That's not happening That juice the stats, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I look back. I look back at the last six years. There was only one, two, seven, eight, nine, eleven teams in the last five years that averaged thirty points a game. I would have guessed way higher than that. Mm-hmm. Um, last year we had two. Twenty twenty we had five: Green Bay, Buffalo, Tampa, Tennessee, New Orleans. Two thousand nineteen it was only the Ravens, five thirty one. That was like the big Lamar season. Mm-hmm. He was. They were forty two points out of the next team. In eighteen we had Casey with five sixty five. Um, Rams 527, New Orleans 504, and then nobody in 2017. Danny, am I crazy to think this is going to be a high-scoring year? Like, I feel like we could have four to five teams in that 500-plus range. What do you you think, big picture? I hope so. I hope that, so like this year, last year, I think the pendulum swung to the defense a little bit. It felt like the too high stuff started to take over. Like it was confounding even the best quarterbacks in the NFL. You started seeing more dink and dunk stuff. I don't know if it's going to happen, but maybe teams start to figure out or at least just practice it more in terms of like how they're going to attack these too high looks and maybe they get more efficient. Maybe they start to score more points. I think the quarterback situation is better in the NFL than it has been in a long time. Agree. So that to me, those those couple of I guess variables could maybe swing the pendulum back towards the offense a little bit. Plus, there isn't there going to be a stronger emphasis on illegal contact. Yep, that is like the NFL like juicing the system. They're like, we want more points. We want we want teams to like get, stay on the field and third down. You know what I mean? Like this is going to be a major factor potentially. So yes, I think I think there's going to be more points this year. They they always sneak that in. Oh yeah, the, that's the this is like totally intentional too. By the way, like they want offense. They want you know, they want to make it as hard on the defense as possible, which is, it sucks for defenders, I, I suppose, but it's good for, I think, like the fans. I think with the emphasis thing, we always hear about that in the preseason. And then, what do you think? Eight out of every nine times, it doesn't stick. The one time is when they really started to crack down on people touching the quarterback. Mm, yeah. and I forget what year that was, but that's when I, they were like, the whole year they stuck with that. But for the most part, they'll throw these things at us. Oh, no, we're doing this this year. Better watch out. And then so legal, by like week yeah. four, it's gone. Illegal contact is a weird one because they've emphasized it twice before. They did it in 2004. And then the illegal contact flags went from 79 to 191, which is Ugh. a substantial jump. <laughs> and then they did it again in 2014. And that went from 52 to 148. So like, mm-hmm. I don't think the illegal contact emphasis indoors 
because this is the third time now that they've done it. I don't think it lasts through the seasons, but in the season in which they emphasize it, we tend to get like hammered with it, especially early in the season, mm. which just blows. I don't know if it has too so much So you think it overs? Are we going overs the first four weeks? I don't, I don't know how much of an impact. I don't know what it is week to week. In 2004, scoring went from 20.8 uh, points per game to 21.5 points per game. So small jump. That was one of the highest scoring seasons of kind of that era. And then in 2014, it went down. It went from 23.4 to 22.8, I think. No, 22.6. Excuse me. So I don't know what it does season to season wise. Like I said, maybe it's just like early game spikes. I haven't looked at it in terms of week to week, but the illegal contact emphasis does tend to have like a one season impact, which again, <laughs> blows. Danny, this might be Seattle's offense. Maybe they take advantage this of this. This is the key. Just, the Flacco, just <laughs> chuck it downfield and hope for a flag. <laughs> Receivers in traffic. Who's the, I mean, who's the better it, yeah. quarterback for that for that approach? Is it Drew Locke or Gino? I yeah, think do you have a quarterback that can throw 40 yards? I mean, Drew Locke is more willing, I think, to push it into triple right. coverage. So, you know, that <laughs> could be go. a good thing. This is our secret. Are you aware of how big of a Geno Smith fan you have on the podcast for the first time here? Oh, tell That's us, right. Ruiz. Let's hear it. Oh, oh, I've been a big Geno fan. Don't bring up Ben McAdoo and Eli Manning around yeah, me. Yeah, this goes back to the I can go on for an hour. The Geno truther over here. It, here's my thing. Giants fans, shame on you. You guys could have saved yourself like five years of hurt if you guys just let Geno play out the rest of that year and then not convince the Giants front office to run it back with Eli Manning. Then you ended up with Daniel Jones as a result. You ended up drafting Oof. a running back second and overall. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut myself off there. I'm not going to go any further. <laughs> Well, it is one of those sliding doors moments when, and there was a good ESPN feature about it a couple of years ago when he got punched by his teammates, <laughs> and, by his uh, teammate. I forget the guy's name, but the IK and Kampali, I think it yeah. was. Yeah. And, yes. it, and he was the starter in preseason. They had a pretty good offense, and right. it was literally his career was never the same. And he was, and by the time he was healthy, the, the team had gone in a different direction, and that was it. But I, when they, they started him, what was that, a Thursday night game or a Monday night game last year? I've always kind of liked them, too. I, I I remember betting on the Seahawks in that game. It's like, ah, Gino. Was that the Saints um, game? Did you I win? Think it was the Saints game. <laughs> I think they covered, but they did not win, right? Yeah. It was one of those. Didn't you lose at the tail? Danny, did you block last season out of your mind? Yes, no? absolutely. <laughs> no idea. Yeah. No memory um, of that. So before we talk about the favorites, I think we all kind of like the same sleeper. Or maybe some of us do. Solak laid it out at the beginning, talking about the variance, the volatility, the Rams going from 32nd to first. I'm staring at the Vikings are 22 to one. Lousy division, potentially. At worst case scenario, mediocre division. But if Green Bay is not as good as maybe some people think, could be a bad division. Um, pretty easy schedule. Thielen's back. A lot of Thielen buzz right now. A lot of a lot of fantasy sleeper buzz with him. Good running back situation. They have one of the best receivers in the league. Cousins has put up the numbers. Now they got rid of Mike Zimmer. Little offense friendly coach. I don't know. It's it's Solak smiling. What do you think, Solak? It's because it's because of the Kirk Cousins puts up the numbers argument, where it's like I refuse <laughs> to believe it because it's Kirk, but also yep. that's what Kirk is. Kirk is empty stats, like winning. Like having being the most a successful offense, scoring the most points on offense, and also like going ten and seven and getting creamed in the wild card round is just like the most Kirk thing. It'd be the Kirkiest of all Kirks, and like I can see it happening for that reason. I agree that when you get like outside of the top groups, the Vikings are one of the most enticing uh, groups. Besides the Kirk aspect of everything, what still does give me pause is the Kevin O'Connell look because I don't, I don't think I know just yet what Kevin O'Connell is. <laughs> 
And I would love to say with confidence that because of what Cooper Cup was to the Rams last year when Kevin O'Connell was running that offense, that O'Connell is the guy to solve this Kirk feeding Justin Jefferson issue that's kind of been festering in Minnesota for a couple of years. I'm not confident enough yet to say that. If I were, I'd be like all the way on board. That's my pause. Besides also... Kirk Cousins being the quarterback of the Minnesota Vikings. Yes, because following in, in the footsteps of offensive guru, Mike Zimmer is going to be real tough for Kevin O'Connell. Clint Kubiak, baby. He had real, <laughs> just, he was a visionary in terms of NFL offense. I think there's well, a way that you can really build a good argument for this, even if it's maybe not going to happen. Like, I've actually sent this to you, Bill, before. The Kirk Cousins versus Dak Prescott career numbers are thank like... You. No, almost no, exactly no. the same. Thank minus you. the rushing yards. Minus the rushing yards. I'm not actually saying this. I'm just look at the stats. The stats They're are almost identical. identical. Yeah, it's you would crazy. if you covered up the names, you would have no idea which guy was which guy. Just two way, fourth you, round quarterbacks <laughs> succeeding in the exact same way. You know, Ruiz is groaning, but you know what else is identical? Their playoff success. Because Dak doesn't have any. And I to me, like the Dak thing, I get it. People love him and and whatever. He's a great guy, but the the proof is in there. He just hasn't done it on a big stage. And he's basically the same guy as Cousins. But everybody hates Cousins. So we're not allowed to say this. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, and by the way, who put up the most points last year? Dak. I was about to say. The Kirk's other Kirk Cousins. For those right. stats, baby. <laughs> it, I have to ask, is this Kirk Cousins appreciation or is it Mac Jones cope? Because I feel like when you get used uh, to that type wow, of quarterback, that's... you start to appreciate <laughs> quarterbacks like him. That's a, that's a real thing. Like, you know, when Tom Brady was like, I guess he was talking about Derek Carr. That's like the rumor going around. He's yeah. Like, you, you're going to stay with that guy. Like when you're Tom Brady, you look at Derek Carr as one of those bad quarterbacks. But like when you have a, a mediocre quarterback, maybe you appreciate Derek Carr a little more. So that that I'm saying you got, I think you need to remember what Tom Brady was and, I, and have higher standards for your quarterbacks. Just I, the Mac Jones slander out of nowhere. I don't understand it. But the, the uh, <laughs> catching strays. I am not a Kirk Cousins fan, just for the record. I have had him on fantasy and it was shocking how many times you throw him in there and you, you kind of feel pretty comfortable that he's going to get 25 to 29 points. Like he does put up stats. You do not want to bet on him ever. Like in a tease where you've teased him down from eight and a half to two and a half. You just need them to win by a field goal. And that's when he kills you. But all you do is you live fade the Vikings. That's the, just wait until they go up nice 14 to three in the second quarter. And you go, and now we bet on the other team. Somehow Kirk, Kirk like finds a way to throw like four touchdowns and then the Vikings still score like 23 points. I know that's mathematically impossible, <laughs> but Kirk finds a way. They're, they play the AFC East and the NFC East. So if, if I was picking divisions, those would be yeah. two of the three I would probably want. They also have the Bears twice. They have Detroit twice. I don't know. It's, it's certainly not a, not a lot of ones. So you mentioned Brady. Tampa, which I think... They're uh they're one of the favorites in here. They are plus nine fifty. So the odds right now: Buffalo's plus six fifty, Tampa plus nine fifty, Casey's ten to one, Chargers ten to one, Rams eleven to one, and then it starts to get bigger. The Tampa offensive line thing has and combined with Brady just disappearing for ten days, and the new coach, I have some real concerns about Tampa now. And I, I think there's a difference between trying to look at stuff to get worried about versus actually being legitimately concerned. And what I see is a 45-year-old quarterback who hasn't had a full training camp, who retired and unretired, and now an offensive line that was excellent last year that is going to be lucky to be mediocre this year. Ruiz, what do you see with Tampa this year? 
I'm not concerned about the offensive line. I'm going to okay. go the other way with it. I think having a bad interior, which is that's where the injuries have been in the retirements. They've lost Marpet. Mm-hmm. They lost their left guard the other uh, the other day. I think that's going to pre- prevent or kind of dissuade Byron Leftwich from calling a lot of runs because the, the type of runs they do call, they need a strong interior. So maybe Brady drops back even more than he already was. And they're already like a high pass rate team. And then he's going to get rid of the ball quickly. He's not going to take sacks. And they have just too many weapons for teams to man them up and kind of disrupt their timing. I think Brady's going to be able to get rid of the ball in like 2.5 seconds every snap. And it's not going to be an issue. Well, and he's done that before. You agree with that or disagree, Danny? I think that there's reason to pause a little bit and maybe not, you know, make them the favorite or whatever. Because look, they have injuries on the offensive line. Now, Mike Evans is out with like a hammy. Chris Godwin's coming back from an ACL. Antonio Brown's no longer in the picture. Gronk is at least not going to start the season on the team. So the weapons, I think, are significantly downgraded, at least for a while. Um, So that is another factor. But like at the same time, they have a lot of depth at the receiver position. Like there's a lot of pretty intriguing guys. I know in in like the dynasty fantasy world, like Tyler Johnson, uh, Jalen Dart and a couple of these other guys, like people are pretty excited about them. They're just dynasty fantasy world. What a grim world. That's my community. That's my community right there. (laughs) The world Um, where Mina Kimes is looking to see if she had Dalton Keene on her dynasty (laughs) roster. That when that it got community. waved. Yeah, that exactly. Is, that's rough. <laughs> uh, the other thing with Tampa, a rough schedule this year. So, so like anything to add before we move on? I'm, I'm crossing off Tampa. I don't see them getting yeah. that. I'm, I'm, I'm worried because I think the book has always been interior pressure on Tom. Make yep. that, that area in which he wants to step up. Make that area he wants to manage as muddy as possible. When the Saints are able to shut down the Bucks and kind of that model that Dennis Allen's put out now for a couple of years, it's with rushing with four and running a ton of games. And when you put young guys, guys who haven't had a lot of snaps at left guard center, which is where they're weak right now, you're going to get miscommunications and problems. I think you just see that that interior mucking is really the bad spot. Like I think if the Bucks could have chosen, do we lose guys on the interior? Do we lose guys on the outside? They would have picked outside without blinking. Steven's making a face at me, but I'm No right. way. That's uh, No team would pick that. No <laughs> team would pick that. That's ridiculous. I think you can... You can help that out with scheme more easily as opposed to having Luke Kadecki just like taking left guard snaps for some reason. So to me, I'm worried about it. I'm also, I, I wouldn't want to be taking the box, especially at like the second highest price. To me, that's not necessary. Yeah, so Buffalo, which I was surprised was the favorite. I think it makes sense until you actually think about it. One, it's a cold weather team, right? So you think like the last, the last six games of the season for them, just December on, they're at New England home Jets-Dolphins, at Chicago, at Cincinnati, home New England. So none of those are like, you know, great shakes. They have a tougher schedule too. The the case for them, other than the fact that we know their offense is going to, I think we would all have them probably in the top six if you were just ranking your favorite offenses, is what you said at the top, Solak, about defenses scoring. So if they're piling up, especially you see these really good teams, they're up 40 to... 14 in the fourth quarter and they get that one last pick six or fumble or whatever with three minutes to go. So the defensive stuff I think would be an asset for them. But in general, like I, it's weird. Everybody says they have the most talented roster and I I don't know if I agree. I think they have a really good team, but I don't feel like this is like this crazy loaded roster. What do you think, Ruiz? Yeah. And I think they have offensive line issues too. And I think those offensive line issues matter more with Josh Allen. I know he can like get, away from that pressure, but when you put Josh Allen in the scramble mode, like mistakes happen. And this was another team that really relied on turno- turnovers last year. Like they it, they had like the 2019 Patriots thing going on mm. where they played a bunch of bad quarterbacks 
and they led the NFL in average starting field position. I don't know if that's going to happen again. And I think that made things easier for an offense that was kind of inconsistent. We forget about that because of how the season ended. But but Josh Allen averaged 6.8 yards per attempt last year. That was worse than Carson Wentz. I mean, that matters. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, you talk about the quarterbacks are going against just in the first seven weeks. Stafford, Tannehill, uh, the most polarizing quarterback of 2022, Tua, Lamar, mm-hmm. Pittsburgh, which you're going to say is Trubisky, but I just feel like that's going to be Jimmy G by the time we get to week five. I really oh, feel yeah? like Jimmy G is going to be in this day. Yeah, that's my take. I think they wave <laughs> Jimmy G and because it makes sense from a cap standpoint and the team that makes sense is Pittsburgh because I kind of like that Pittsburgh team. And if I'm them, I, if I could get Jimmy G, I'm doing it. Kansas City week six for them, then Rodgers after the bye week in week eight. So um, it's a little bit different than the bad quarterback Sufoy they had last year. The the other thing with Buffalo, I I was surprised that, so last year they were only at 483. I would have thought that they were one of the 500 plus teams. So I, I don't know. I, I To me, they're a cross off too. I'm looking at the KC Chargers combo, Solak. Those, I think it's one of those two. That division's going to be super fun. I think it's going to, we're going to have, what was that game we had that one year with the Chiefs Rams where it was like 50, what was that? Like yeah. 50, 51 to 48, 51, 48, whatever. Something like that. Yeah, I yeah. do feel like that division is capable of one of those, but I have those yeah. two targeted. Um, right now, we said before that was KC 10 to 1, Chargers 10 to 1. To me, those are the two favorites. What do you think of that take? Yeah, see, I I like the Bills. Like if you if you made me just pick one team against the field, I'm probably taking the Bills and they're favored for this at price where it's like six and a half to one for the Bills and ten to one for the Chiefs Chargers. I'd rather just take the longer odds because this is such a kind of like arbitrary throw a dart bet, right? I don't have enough confidence in that. The thing with the Bills is like I don't like putting Allen in scramble mode. I don't care. Like if he turns it over, great. Like the Bills are just gonna get the ball back and then they're gonna throw it down the field more. You know what I'm saying? Like Yards per attempt, like and they still outscored the Colts last year. Like you know, it doesn't matter. Like it's they're just going to be aggressive. They're going to put points on the board. Allen is going to be a flamethrower. Yeah, they're going to have six point games against the Jags, but this isn't like you know you're disqualified if you score single digits. Like I just want that flamethrower aspect to it, and that's why the other two teams that to me make sense are Mahomes and Herbert. Mm Because if there are other guys in the league who can do what, uh, Allen does in terms of just deciding to take over a game and put up thirty five points. It's Mahomes and it's Herbert who has the capability to do it. Herbert still, I think, has yet to be like fully unlocked into like, I am the flamethrower god. I am the man mode. (laughs) Whereas Mahomes actually has that to him and has proven over time. So if I'm picking between Chiefs Chargers at even price, I'm probably taking the Chiefs just because I have a little bit more faith in, in Mahomes just deciding over the course of a season to just take over games. Whereas Herbert is still trying to be this like, perfect pocket quarterback and Lombardi still trying to run this like perfect West Coast offense. I don't think they're they fully matured into that we're a 35 point team sort of philosophy. So I, if I'm picking between the two, I like the Chargers or excuse me, I like the Chiefs. But yeah, like when we're looking at prices here, I'm not nearly confident off the Bills to go like, yeah, 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 give me 650 over over 10 to 1. I'd rather take one of the two lower dogs. So you like Herbert, the 40th best player in the league, according to whatever that weird We're, NFL listen, record thing listen, was. Listen, listen, <laughs> Number Number 40, I, Justin Herbert. Number 10 I, in anyone else's list except for that one. I cannot even begin to describe to you the way the NFL Top 100 list makes me feel in my heart. It just breaks <laughs> me, me to my soul, man. <laughs> it's so bad. I saw it. I was watching the preseason game and they were running it on the ticker on the bottom. 
I hadn't seen it because I think all those lists are always terrible. And they're running and I'm like, oh, oh, whoa. It, it was just like <laughs> every every time they ran the next 10, I was always startled by, I mean, I love Mac, but putting Mac in the top 100 at this point is kind of insane. And then Herbert <laughs> at 40. <laughs> that it's also something else. Me. Uh, Danny, Chargers or Chiefs? What do you got? Oh, man, this is tough. Just I best I, points. I'm not asking you best team, just most points this I, season. I'm going Chargers because of the whole package. So last year, they were second in points per drive, uh, fifth in points per game, like one of the fastest teams, top six fastest situation neutral offense, seventh in plays. So they're high volume plays. Uh, they play fast. They have Justin Herbert at quarterback. They have good players, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler. They upgraded the offensive line this offseason. They're playing, like you said, they're playing in that gauntlet of a division where there's going to be potentially a lot of um, back and forth shootout type games. Couple gimme first five games, right? Cleveland mm. with no Deshaun, Houston week four, Jacksonville week three. And I think to me, the edge really is the what the Chiefs have on offense in terms of like their skill players right now. Like Kelsey, I definitely still believe in. And obviously, Mahomes is Mahomes. Um, but I just, you know, what are we going to like? Is MVS, Juju. The running back situation there isn't as great. Are they going to try and be like more of a run heavy team now because they don't have Tyreek? Like those to me are just like the slightest, slightest edge goes to to Chargers for me for that. What do you got, Ruiz? Yeah, I would go with the Chargers. And one big factor I would add is the stadium playing indoors. I think that matters when you're talking about mm -hmm. Kansas City and Buffalo That's as the point. main challengers. And I went to Chargers camp and people there were just raving about Herbert. They said he was even better than last year. And I don't know how you get much better than he was last year. And then I saw the scrimmage happen and I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, he's, he's better. He's better. <laughs> Did you just do the Kevin Clark? I just went to training camp move. Uh, Bill, yeah. AKA the, the KC. The thing that came to my mind. I was like, That's oh right. no. That's Why right. didn't you mix in and I talked to one of the coordinators there and he told me dot, dot, dot. Yeah. I talked, I talked to Brandon to one of the Staley coaches. and he, he, he told me they were going to score 40 a game. <laughs> the coach came right up to me. He listens to the F1 show. He loves the F1 show. It's incredible. <laughs> I have Casey. Miami is back. <laughs> I have Casey over. <laughs> I have Casey over the Chargers and here's why. And this ties into um, a general theme for me in this offseason. I'm all in on the Chiefs because they have the best offensive line in the league now. And Ooh. you... We rightly brought up some of their. The, you the disagree, Eagle fan, the Eagle fan, and me just jumped at that one. <laughs> okay, no, fine. Sir, they do not go birds. But fine. yeah, Chiefs are up there. Fine, I have the Chiefs one. Um, Mahomes and time makes me a lot less worried about. Hmm, I wonder is Sky Moore going to be able to do, and all all the right. little questions. Who is scarier in the league in the last ten years than Mahomes with like five seconds? He's yeah. always going to find somebody. And you give him five seconds, he'll create eight. And I just I just think he's due for one of those, oh, oh, everybody was blowing Joe Burrow in the offseason. And, oh, Justin <laughs> Herbert's the guy. And, oh, we've had all this Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. And then he had such an embarrassing playoff game that that has to be part of this, too, that he spends the whole offseason thinking about, you know, I can't believe we, we, we're going to be up what, 18 points heading into halftime and we completely F that up and now all of a sudden um, in the fourth quarter, what blah, blah, blah. I just, I feel like this is going to be like his Clint Eastwood unforgiven walking into the bar year and the fact that they can actually block for him this year. I think that matters more than any other subplot. You, Ruiz, it seems like you agree. Yeah, I think it's going to be easier for them to get explosive plays too. 
it's kind of, now that Tyreek's mm-hmm. gone, like defenses aren't going to be selling out. And we've already seen in uh, preseason, they're kind of going back to that old Andy offense, like two running backs, mm-hmm. multiple tight yeah. ends. And when you when you play those formations, the defense has no choice but to put an, a safety in the box. And if they're getting one high again, I don't care if Good it's night. not Tyreek Hill. Like Sky Moore is gonna <laughs> gonna eat. Hardman's gonna eat. Uh, Kelsey's still good. Marquez. I, yeah, I I I mean, probably Mahomes some is, random guy we don't even know who the guy is. Who Jody Watson. Watson. Yeah, <laughs> Danny. <laughs> Mahomes. Mahomes. Yeah, I I agree. There's like this weird thing this offseason where Mahomes is kind of underrated. And like, yeah. if you're like, oh yeah, Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL, like. Some people will debate that, but he's the most talented quarterback in the NFL and he has the best offensive mind. Well, I remember Solak and I talked about that after the Tyreek trade about basically shifting the spending, right? And instead of having all their spending on the QB and the receiver and then you just keep your fingers crossed that your line can block, they kind of went the other way. And now they have an offensive line. Kelsey, who probably has one or two elite years left, depending on how you feel about tight end histories. And Mahomes. And I like this strategy more. I think it's a lot easier. There's so many receivers now. Like the freaking Rams. Who that undrafted guy? These guys. McClutchin. These guys fall <laughs> out of the woodwork. And it's like, all right, I guess this guy. Or the yeah. Dallas punt returner. It just seems like over and over again, you can get at least a little lucky with that, with that uh position. And I, I get it. Like, you know, to spend $25 million a year on Tyreek. How are you going to be able to address all this other stuff? So um, Casey, I think, is that's probably the safest bet for me. Also, their schedule, it's fine. The the AFC West is going to be tough, obviously, but it's not, I'm not too intimidated by that. I love that they get Arizona early. Um, that, I think, would be my pick. So let's all, let's all make picks. Let's go around. I like Tennessee at 10 to 1, uh, Kansas City at 10 to 1, and Minnesota 22 to 1, like a sprinkling. I think would be my two. What do you have, Solak? Who are you taking? Yeah, I like Chiefs uh, 10 to 1. And then I would probably also still take the Bills at, at plus 650, which I know is is chalk. But also in a bet like this, there's no such thing as chalk. I just think the Bills are going to be very good. Yeah, I mean, if you do that, you put 100 on each, you're basically putting 200 on plus 650 or 10 to 1. So I get it. Yeah. What do you got, Danny? Uh, I'm going to stick with the Chargers, just barely 10 to 1. And then I want to throw out, even though... So I kind of crushed my dreams on this with a repeat thing, but like the Cowboys at 13 to one, I still think they're, they're just going to run a lot of plays and Dak is still Mm -hmm. good. And they have a lot of talent with, with CD Pollard, Zeke. I know that everyone's down on Zeke, but he's still good. I don't know. And then the defense. Ruiz. I'll go with the bucks at plus nine fifty, And I'm going to throw out a team that we haven't mentioned. I'm going to say the Packers. I think that defense is going to be really good. And they might be the turnover team this year that gets that variance. And then Aaron Rodgers. It's Aaron Rodgers. So, Packers 16 to 1. Mm-hmm. One thing that is fun is if you check like, you know, teams that have won this recently, uh, very often the quarterback of this high scoring team wins MVP in three of the last five years. That was Packers in 2020, uh, Ravens in 2019, and Chiefs in 2018. That quarterback, Rodgers Lamar Mahomes, won MVP. So for example, if plus two, uh, 2,200 for the Vikings just isn't spicy enough for you, Kirk Cousins, baby. <laughs> Plus 4,000. <laughs> 40 yeah. to 1. Those are max yeah. odds. Mac but and Kirk yeah. are the same odds. But that's the thing is if you go and you, if you are like, you're like, I want to bet Patrick Mahomes for MVP, it's plus 900. You can also just bet Chiefs to be the highest scoring team at plus 1,000. It's not the exact same bet, but it's pretty highly correlated. Mm. There's some weird odds in here. Like Cleveland was 21 to 1. 
I was trying to think of any scenario where Cleveland yeah. with Jacoby Brissett for 11 games would be the highest scoring <laughs> team in the league and literally couldn't come up with any. Arizona was 20 to 1, 1 21 to 1, which I thought was weird. Yeah. The Eagles at 17 uh, right next to the Ravens was also weird because it's like, yeah. yeah, sure, the offenses are similar. The quarterback's a little different. And I don't know if we can be placing these guys in the same tier just yet. I got to say, as I was doing all my fantasy homework, I was like mildly shocked by Jalen Hurts' season last year in a good way. Like, yep. There were some numbers. It, in my head, I was just, I guess, maybe leaving the Tampa Bay playoff game residue of mm-hmm. he was just so overmatched. And it was just so clear that you're not really going that far if Jalen Hurts is your quarterback, mm-hmm. at least that last year's incarnation of him. But then mm-hmm. you look at the actual stats and it was classic. It was like how that, the Wentz stats versus what we actually saw with Wentz were like two different animals. I yeah. I just, I don't trust quarterback stats the same way I used to. <laughs> you, you were just Kirk 25 minutes ago. <laughs> well, the Kirk Dak thing was my only point. I don't yeah. know if I trust either of those guys. Dak had one of the all-time meltdowns at the end of a game in a crunch time situation that we've seen in the last 10 years. Everybody just shrugs it off. Dak, smiling, great guy. Third and eight, game on the line. You have to choose Dak or Kirk. Who do you want to have the ball? Oh, probably Dak. I don't. I don't there trust it Kirk. Is. That's all I need. I'm feeling. I don't good now. trust Kirk at all. Yeah, exactly. At all. <laughs> That's the thing is, Kirk. Kirk has completed seventy five percent of his passes. He's averaging ten yards an attempt. He's got two touchdowns, no interceptions. He scrambled for a first down, and yet. You're down by three. It's third and eight on the 50 and Kirk is behind center and you feel horrible. You just feel downright terrible about the situation you've gotten yourself in. That's the reality of Kirk Cousins. <laughs> yeah. Well, the real problem with Kirk Cousins is anyone who gambles has had just some emotionally scarring experiences with that man. That too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just some really, really bad ones. All right. We can hear Danny and we can hear Stephen Ruiz and we can hear Ben Solak all in the Ringer NFL show. And then on top of that, Danny Kelly and the excellent uh, fantasy football show, which you guys, what are you, like four days a week right now? Yeah, we're going four now. Just Ramped running, up, ramping up. Running out of goofy themes that hype high, high text to you guys. <laughs> we're doing what, we're doing like the what rewatchables if we do ripoff. Wide receivers yeah. as vodkas. <laughs> He's the Andy Reid of bits. He's always got a new one. I like it. <laughs> I, I appreciate it and love it. All right, good to see you guys. Thank you. This episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast is presented by State Farm. If you've ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened? Your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are like a good neighbor, State Farm. Is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. Summer is all about fun vacations, but I know that being away from home can be stressful. So many things can happen. That's why I like to recommend Simply Safe, award-winning security that can help give you peace of mind when you're away. The only thing you should worry about while you're on vacation is having too much fun. Having my home, it's great. Couldn't work better. I think Simply Safe is the best because it comes with a variety of indoor and outdoor cameras, sensors to detect break-ins, fires, floods, and more. 
It's backed by 24-7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. It's given me, my family, many others, real peace of mind. I'm waiting to have it too. Try it out. A 60-day money-back guarantee. No contracts right now. Get 20% off any Simply Safe system with Fast Protect Monitoring at simplysafe.com slash BS. That is Simply Safe with two S. Simplysafe.com slash BS. There's no safe like Simply Safe. All right, Matthew Barry is here. We're taping this on a Tuesday afternoon. This summer, he moved from ESPN after how many years? 16 to NBC? 15. 15, 15. years. 15 and a half, something like that, yeah. Oh, congratulations. Thank so you. You're basically doing the same stuff at NBC. You've just switched houses, but the uh, rooms look the same. Slightly. I, I'm, I'm doing a lot of the same stuff, obviously. Uh, I'll get on the plugs in. I'm doing a daily podcast slash video show that's on Peacock on the new NFL on NBC YouTube channel and wherever you get your podcasts called Fantasy Football Happy Hour. So I'm doing that Monday through Friday. Uh, so that's similar. I'm writing for uh, the website. So Love Hate comes out this Thursday. My 100 Facts is up. My rankings will be up. I'll do the weekly column. For uh, NBCSportsEdge.com and RotoWorld.com, we're bringing back RotoWorld. Uh, so uh, the, the column's the same. We'll be doing a Sunday morning show, 11 to 1, uh, before kickoff, Peacock, YouTube channel, other platforms. We're figuring that all out, but that'll be uh, going on. So all that is the same. <laughs> figuring that all out. It's in like two weeks. I know. We're figuring out what I, I can tell you. It definitely It will definitely be on Peacock. It will definitely be on the NFL on NBC YouTube channel. Uh, I don't know if it will be on additional NBC platforms, but I can tell you it'll definitely be on those two. So Playboy channel? Kids, they own the Playboy channel or no? That it can't be on there. Not as far, they own a lot of channels. I mean, they, you know, they got they got uh, they got Bravo, they got CNBC. <laughs> Bravo, got maybe it should be on Bravo. Can I'm they... just saying, you know, maybe a little CNBC action USA. I don't know. Um, uh, so they have a lot of channels. Um, uh, between NBC Universal, so uh, I'm, we're, we'll see if we'll, we're, it's on any more platforms. But those two, it definitely will be. So all, all right. that stuff is the same. The part that's new, Bill, that's exciting for me is I'm on Football Night in America. So I joined the cast of you know the pregame show for Sunday Night Football. So I am for the first time in my career, I am part of a company's NFL coverage. I that wasn't what I did for ESPN. A at ESPN, NFL and fantasy coverage were sort of separate. They were. Not sort of, they were, they were siloed. Um, and so at NBC, I'm, I'm part of NBC's NFL coverage. Siloed was an understatement. Although when you joined in the mid 2000s, fantasy was looked at like, um, I don't know, like it was snuff porn or something. <laughs> I, I, was, I was doing it in my column. We had like yeah. a couple rankings people, but for the most part, they didn't. Uh, and then that gradually evolved and changed over the next, probably like, by the early 2010s, I felt like it was pretty entrenched. Yeah, I mean, that was one of the reasons ESPN brought me there was, I mean, you know, uh, uh, our mutual friends, John Walsh and John Kozner, brought me into ESPN with the idea of like, hey, we know this is an area we need to do more in. And uh, so, you know, help us out here. You know, help be, you know, I was literally told, we want you to be the face of fantasy, not just for our fans, meaning ESPN's viewers, but internally here at ESPN. And so I spent the first, Two years of my career there, and you were very helpful, Bill. You made a lot of calls, and being on your show uh, early on was infl influential as well. But, you know, that was a part of it. It's like I literally spent two years going to every Sports Center producer, every NFL Live, every Baseball Tonight, every radio producer, like 
here's what fantasy is. Here's why it's important to our fans. Here's the business case for it. Here's the, here's the way it might work with your content. What are you guys trying to accomplish with your audience? Here's how I think fantasy can meld into what you guys are trying to accomplish. And I mean, that's, that was probably the first two, two and a half years. I mean, you were in some of those conversations. You remember that? Yeah. Yeah. I think the biggest thing that's changed since the mid 2000s, we just never successfully figured out fantasy basketball. (laughs) And especially in the player empowerment era, it's just like, unless you're doing daily fantasy to be in a fantasy basketball league, I just feel like is a complete waste of time. I guess you could be in like, whatever, we have to reinvent that. Fantasy hockey never took off. I think golf for for daily fantasy has been good. There's been some fun like season leagues, but really football became even more powerful. Baseball lost a little luster unless you're in like keeper leagues or American League only or National League only. But it feels like football has kind of sucked the strength out of all the other sports for fantasy. Well, the fantasy games kind of go along the same way that the popularity of the sports are. I mean, the NFL is the most popular sport in America. It's the most popular fantasy game. I would argue the NBA is the second most popular professional sport. That's the second most popular fantasy game. And so on. It's, you know, and then baseball and then hockey and, and so on down the line. You're right. I mean, you know, uh, DF, DFS, daily fantasy and sports betting have really helped golf. It's really actually helped basketball, baseball. The problem with basketball, Challenge is probably a better way to phrase it, but the challenge with basketball and, and baseball is the season's so long. Is that to do a season long, you know, 82 games of basketball or 162 of baseball takes work, especially because with late scratches and it, like you're constantly having to make a lineup change. And so it's for the hardcore, the hardcore. Whereas fantasy football, because it's basically once a week, you got the Thursday night games, you got the Monday night games. But generally speaking, you're setting your lineup once, you're making waiver picks up pick them once, it becomes much more accessible to a much more casual audience. You know, your your people in the office yeah. that aren't hardcore, there aren't hardcore nerds like you and I. Like, you know, like, but that's where, you know, somebody like, oh yeah, I'll join a fantasy league. Like so it just becomes much more um accessible. Well when my idiot son can be in a league when he's like eleven. Right. And successfully draft a team and follow it, that tells you how accessible it is. Now my son's like, I think year four. Now he's like really into it. Plus he's playing football too. So it's a whole other whole other level of just like, he actually gets it now and he's the strategy piece of it. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about how uh, my, my theories on this 2022 season in a second, just quickly on the ESPN thing. Um, oh, hang on one second. I'm just curious. When you say your son understands the strategy piece of it, does he understand the strategy piece of it like from a normal point of view or from like your... Of you know, hoard, hoard up all the quarterbacks' point of view. No, no, not you, not my twisted point of view. Okay, no, he gosh. understands like no. he's at least in level two, which is like, oh, that position is deep. Right. Maybe I don't need that right away. Ooh, this position's a little weaker. So things like that, like basically understanding that if I don't get Travis Kelsey or Kyle Pitts as my tight end, I could probably wait and just wait till late and get Cole Komet. You Correct. know, so st- stuff yeah. like that. That. I was proud of him. I was like, oh, you've yeah. reached level two. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Pretty soon he'll be in level nine, which is like I'm drafting seven quarterbacks and I'm screwing everybody <laughs> else in the league. Right. Um, on the ESPN thing, were people surprised? What was the general reaction? Did, did people yeah. just think you were going to die in Bristol when you were like 82? Yeah, I think, well, I think, yeah, I think people were really shocked. You know, and uh, I talked with a few friends of mine and I think they were surprised that it, like, it didn't leak. Um, it happened sort of suddenly. Uh you know, so are you, are you like, are you talking about like public in general or just internally at ESPN? 
Well, either. Um, I would say probably, probably both. I mean, you know, I was talking with ESPN and we were talking about an extension and, um, uh, so, you know, we, we talked about it. So I, I, I don't think they expected me to leave. I don't want to speak for them. Um, but ultimately, and listen, it, it was, you know, listen, I, I love my time at ESPN. It was a very hard decision, but, um, you know, as I talk as, as it became known that I might be available, uh, talking to a bunch of different people, I got a bunch of very interesting offers and really exciting. And then, you know, NBC just came over the top with this an unbelievable offer. Um, so I think that, uh, and certainly, you know, it's weird because these things sort of tend to leak out, you know, like Andrew Marshan does a really good job of breaking news and stuff like that. And, and all the other people that cover sports media also do, a, you know, so I, I was amazed that it didn't actually leak out because we, you know, my exit had been planned for about two weeks um mm. at espn and uh and look, by the way they were very gracious like they, you know they very nice release they gave me a last show uh, you know um uh so couldn't ask for a better you know sort of goodbye uh but yeah but i think people were really really surprised and and honestly i was overwhelmed by the response online because you never know like you, you put it out there hey this is my last week at espn um and you never know what the reaction is going to be and it was you know it was amazing i, I said to my wife like hey it, it's it's really cool to be trending on Twitter and not be dead, right? So, or or not it, going to jail or, right, or committing not some canceled. terrible thing. Yeah. Did you have like a Mr. Holland's Opus type moment where you went in the gym on the last day and it was all of the fantasy people over the years that you backed that let you down that were there <laughs> one more time to put to play your one last fantasy team? Um, no, you mean like oh, who is uh, your one? Yeah, who is the quarterback? I was killing you that one year. You somebody came to Bristol and you just fell in love with oh, the. With, I mean, it happened a couple times. The oh, worst yeah. thing for you is when you met I mean, people that you had to draft because you're you're. I know. I don't no, know. I'm you're not, kind of a sap. You can get I sucked am. in. I get. I, I do get sucked in. I'm easy to get sucked in sometimes, but sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't. I don't remember which. I thought you were talking about Michael Vick, but I never met Michael Vick. I mean, that's my no. It wasn't Michael most Vick. Famous bad. That's my most famous bad call is uh is Vic. um i don't know might i mean could it have been kirk cousins could have been rg3 probably was rg3 probably but I was, was right about rg3's rookie year you know like i, I people always you know when, when i'm i'm a homer for washington uh yeah you'd like run into fred taylor back i talked to fred taylor his hamstrings are fine this year <laughs> i, <know. laughs> I felt them that, myself they're great they, the problem is is that the, you had i had to learn that basically the players to never trust the players because they have no idea. Um, yeah. And like every player, when you interview them, they're like, oh, here's our projections. What do you think? And everyone's like, oh, over, over my, you know, I'm going over. That's, that's way too low for me. That's way too low for me. But, um, but I remember one time we interviewed DJ Moore on my podcast at, at my ESPN podcast and we gave him his numbers. We, we read him his projections and like, Hey, what do you think? He's just like, you know, it was like something like 900 yards and like six touchdowns or something. It was like his first or second season of the year in the league. And he was just like, oh, and I take back, it wasn't DJ Moore, it was Steve Smith. It was Steve Smith when he went to Carolina. That's who yeah. that's one goes with. So Steve Smith, when he went to Carolina, or like, we read him his numbers and he's just like, I don't know, man, you, you guys got to understand, I'm older now. I don't know if I can hit those numbers. Like he sandbags himself. And we're like, oh, okay. And then he goes out and crushes in Carolina and blows past every single number we had for them. So players have no idea about, you know, their own usage and whether they'll be any good or not. So you, you do have to learn to sort of 
uh, ignore the players. I did not have a, um, no, honestly, uh, in terms of Mr. Opus or anything like that, um, I know you're joking. Uh, couldn't have been lovelier. Like I, you know, uh, my TV shows and my podcast, they all they threw me a goodbye party. I had like two different goodbye parties uh, with, you know, the staffs of two different shows. And, um, you know, it was, it was great. Uh, you know, to the, to the extent leaving a place after 15 years can be great. It couldn't have gone better. I was, you know, would, uh, would love to give you some dirt, but honestly, like they were great, you know, honestly. I have, here's my hot take for the 2022 fantasy football season. Most boring fantasy football preparation season ever. I've been Uh, playing since 1990. Yeah. There's way too many good quarterbacks now. There's way too much information. Year after year, we have mastered the whole ranking, sleepers, that whole system. The information coming from the training camps, the ability, there's no sports, so everybody's watching preseason games. There's no, there's no even like George Pickens type sleep. George Pickens was the number one trend on Twitter the first week in a preseason. Yeah, yeah. And now it just feels like a crapshoot again. And it's like in an auction, everyone's going to have the same list. If you're in a draft, that's like, oh, I got the fifth pick and you're just staring at Austin Eckler. We're all looking at the same things. How can, how can we put some lingerie on the 2022 fantasy football season and have a couple shots and try to get frisky with this? Cause <laughs> I'm just like, I'm not, I told Kyle before you came yeah. on, like, I'm not even going to do that much homework this year. I feel like everyone has the same homework. The, the challenge of, you're right on this part, is that there is so much information and fantasy football is covered like six ways till Sunday. So it is hard to write, you know, like uh, if you've been paying any sorts of attention at all, you know, George Pickens or Isaiah Pacheco or, you know, who's the running back in Kansas City or Isaiah Likely, who's the rookie tight end in Baltimore, any Josh Palmer, uh, any of these uh, young guys that are How about the Houston this, rookie, the, run, the rookie yeah, running back in Pierce. Houston? He's going to be really he's good. The, he's got the job locked up. Yeah. So I, I'm with you there. I think the challenge becomes like, you just never know. Like think about where we were a year ago and no one expected that Cordero Patterson on his eighth team and his NFL career at year 30 would break out as a fantasy football running back superstar, which he was, he was a top 10 fantasy running back for much yep. of the season. And so there's always going to like, at, the, at this time last year, we knew Cooper cup was good. He's being drafted as a top 20 wide receiver. Everyone, you know, and I've, I've always made all my jokes about my little Cooper Cup, but like even me, who's as massive a Cooper Cup fan as there is, no one was like, oh, by the way, Cooper Cup's going to have the greatest fantasy football wide receiver for fantasy football season by a wide receiver since Randy Moss. Like no yeah. one, like the, the reports at a training camp last year was that Matthew Stafford and Robert Woods had this unbelievable connection. No one knew about the Cooper Cup Stafford breakfasts, breakfasts until a couple of weeks in. And so like, I think there's, you know, there's some stuff, but like for every, for every trendy George Pickens type, just think about, you know, the, the, as Isaiah Pacheco, who's the chief's running back has been talked about. People are always quick to remember, remember Darwin Thompson, like three years ago, Darwin Thompson was going to be the chief's running back. That was like a, you know, just a superstar. And, and that didn't happen. I mean, there's, well, there's two things. There's the running yeah. backs, like the Pacheco. And then there's last year, the Marquez Callaway. He's ready to be the number one guy. Right. The guy, the receivers that, and I had him in two leagues. 
the receivers that there's no evidence at all that this is going to happen other than some training camp buzz. But then they start to get treated like they're Keenan Allen, who's right. been doing it for 10 years. And Marquez Callaway is going right around Keenan Allen time. So that that's the one thing I'm, I've learned this year is I'm just ignoring the training camp stuff. Like, just, like that, that the, the undrafted Rams receiver that everybody's right. losing their minds about, which maybe five years ago, I could have gotten sucked in and maybe right. ended up leaving the bar with them. Not yeah, doing it this year. No. I'll buy no, him a drink. I'll, I, you know, I'll talk to him, but I, I'm not leaving the bar with him. No, 100%. Definitely not. Um, uh, let someone else make that mistake. The, the, to me, the answer is, it's interesting. When you, you started off by saying this is the most boring year ever, and I do think there's something to that, which is uh, I think people get sucked in by the buzz. And everyone wants that. They go, they go to their draft, you know, and they're sitting around the buddy. And like, so you draft Isaiah Pacheco, right? Or somebody like that, like a, you know, a but, or Damian Pierce, right? You draft one of those guys, you know, uh, and I'm just going to go, ooh. Ooh, good oh, one. Ooh, oh, like you know, him. Yeah. Uh, uh, buzz, oh, I like him. Oh, I wanted him. I was hoping he's following me, right? There's all that. But you draft like Ezekiel Elliott, like everyone's yawning. No one gives a right. shit. Like everyone's just like, whatever, Zeke, he's boring. Uh, we talked about this on my podcast yesterday. But the fact is, is that because he's boring, Ezekiel Elliott's actually going to be a value this year. Like no one's going to make an ooh over Allen Robinson. To your point about Rams wide receivers, Allen Robinson's going to be a value this year. Right? No one's going to go ooh over Robert Woods because they're like, ah, he's hurt Tennessee. That's a snoozy tap team, like whatever. Robert Woods going to be a value this year. He's going to be the number one guy it's a massive target share available in Tennessee. Brandon Cooks is another one like this. Nobody wants to take right. Brandon Cooks. He gets a thousand yards every year. Every year. And if you look at his numbers last year with Davis Mills, he's actually a top 15 fantasy wide receiver. And you're right. He'll go 28th, you know, in a draft among wide receivers. I always think this is sad when it happens to people, even though it shouldn't be sad. Sad is the wrong word, but like, right. even like Reggie Wayne, where all of a sudden it's just like, all right, it's not fun to have Reggie Wayne anymore. Brian Westbrook could happen too. These guys yeah. that, were these staples. I think it's happening to Keenan Allen now. Keenan Allen, it's like, ah, yeah, I know I know what I'm getting with Keenan Allen. We've all had him at this point. When right. you become a we've all had him guy, right? sometimes that's where the value is. And I agree with you on Zeke. Zeke, it's like, you'd think he's on his way out of the league. And no, meanwhile, right. he was hurt last year. 100% hurt. I talked to a bunch of uh, coaches from the Dallas uh, organization at the Combine. And every one of them, I had a separate conversations with them, again, in bars. And they're like, uh, yeah, I don't think people realize how hurt Zeke was. Zeke like partially tore his, I want to say his PCL um, yeah. in, in week four. First four weeks of the season, he was a top six fantasy running back. Like he was still really good. And then because he just, he's so tough, like he gutted it through. And now everyone's like, oh, he's fat. He's old. He's slow. Tony Pollard's like, you know, exciting and new and, and burst these big things. The reason Tony Pollard can make those big plays is because Ezekiel Elliott is grinding up the middle yeah. of the gut for three and a half yards a couple of times, and then they get Tony Pollard mismatched against the defense. Given their wide receiver situation, uh, and I really love Jalen Tolbert, by the way, uh, and just speaking of sort of like rookie sleepers, but given their wide receiver situation, they're going to use Pollard more in the passing game. Zeke's still going to get at least 16 touches a game by one of the better offensive lines in football. He's still going to get all the red zone work. 11 touchdowns. Right. He's going to have double touchdowns. He's going as like running back. uh, I think on Yahoo, he's going as like running back 15, 16. He's going like running back 18, 20 on ESPN. Like he's going way too late. I'm at 13, I believe. Like 
again, he's he's snoozy, he's boring, but even if he's not more of even if he loses some efficiency, just the volume that he's gonna get this year on that offense. Anyway, I Tony James Connor James Connor's another one like that. Oh yeah. Where it's like, ah, uh, eh, he's been around a while. Not that excited around. about him. And everyone and, and so, you know, so many people are like, oh, James Connor is gonna be regression to the mean. There's no way he scores 18 touchdowns again, except for the fact that he absolutely could. Like people are people like it, it was so fluky. And I'm like, actually, look at Cliff Kingsbury. Since Cliff Kingsbury, last two years under Cliff Kingsbury, the Arizona Cardinals, top four in the NFL in goal-to-go rushing attempts, in red zone rushing attempts. Like this is a part of what he does. I last year, if you go back and look at my love hate from last year, um, I had James Conner as a as a love, and one of the reasons I have his love is like, look, two years ago, freaking Kenyon Drake was actually tied for the NFL lead in goal-to-go carries. Like, who's giving Kenyon Drake that many goal-to-go carries? It was Cliff Kingsbury. That's just how he wants to operate his offense. And so now you've got a guy like James Conner, who, since he came to the NFL, has been one of the league leaders in terms of touchdown conversions. Uh, it, so he's got one of the highest percentage of conversion of touchdowns on goal-to-go carries since he came into the NFL. Now he's going to an offense that's going to be really good in scoring position offense uh, often. and uh, you know, and James Conner's really good around the goal line. Like, of course, I didn't expect, expect 18 touchdowns, but I expected a, a lot, uh, a lot of touchdowns, right? And here's here's the stat for you. I just I just looked it up. So last year, in four of the six games that Edmonds missed, Chase Edmonds missed, who's obviously now in Miami, he finishes a top 10 running back four of those six games. Uh, he had 15 rushing touchdowns, tied for the second most, 18 total touchdowns. Again, he has been one of the best guys in terms of goal-to-go situations um, uh, in the NFL since he came into the league. And so, yeah, James Conner, health is an issue. I get it. But just draft Daryl Williams. He's, he's going to be the bell cow running back for one of the best offenses in football. And he's being treated like, you know, whatever. He's being treated as a mid-tier RB2, honestly. And people are scared, to your point. There's going to be regression. He gets hurt all the time. I don't know. Like. He's got no competition for touches. Like I ain't worried about Daryl Williams or Eno Benjamin or you know anything like that. We're gonna take a break when we come back. Uh, as usual, I'm gonna throw a bomb. Okay. And you're gonna have to scatter for cover. I have okay. I have a theory about how to save this boring 2022 fantasy football season. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. It's just what you need to sit back and enjoy the game. And they're also getting fans closer to the game than ever. You can win exclusive NBA prizes like courtside seats, signed memorabilia, and more. I love Michelob because of how light it is. It's only 95 calories with 2.6 carbs. You know what the perfect time for Michelob Ultra is? A little doubleheader, a little NBA doubleheader. Right? First half of the first game. I don't know. West Coast time. That's usually about 5 o'clock, 5.30. Perfect time for a beer. You can do it. Grab a pack to enjoy today. Learn more and enter for your chance to win at MichelobUltra.com slash courtside LDA 21 and up. This episode is brought to you by Lincoln and the all new 2024 Nautilus Hybrid featuring customizable 48 inch panoramic display, available Revel audio system and available perfect position front seats with active motion massage. Oh my God. The world isn't wide enough. Visit Lincoln.com to learn more. Some models, trims, and features may not be available or may be subject to change. 
Check with your local retailer for current information. Lincoln and Nautilus are trademarks of Ford or its affiliates. All right, so I was trying to figure out why this fantasy football preparation season felt a little bit off. And here, okay. here's what the problem is. Too right. many good quarterbacks. Disagree. In the old days, whether you're in a 10-team 10, 10 league or a 12-team league or a 14-team league, there would be like the six to eight guys you'd want and then like the four to five guys you'd talk yourself into. But deep down, there was that fear of either I have no backup or I'm taking this guy, but holy shit, like if he starts out slow, I'm going to be completely panicking. Now I'm going to have to trade one of my best guys for a quarterback. There's just a shitload of quarterbacks now. You go through like even Jalen Hurts. I was like, yeah, Jalen Hurts. Who wants him in fantasy? Well, he, 28 touchdowns, right? He ran for eight. He threw for almost 4,000 yards. And he's somebody, right. no, nobody would think he's like a tier one quarterback. It's just fucking loaded. Like, just looking at the ringer rankings. Well, I mean, I have Jalen Hurts as a top four fantasy quarterback. And I, he was my, I named him yesterday as my fantasy football ride or die for the year. So I think Jalen Hurts has a monster. Right, so there you go. You agree. But, but, I but, but, I but listen though, um, let me go through quarterbacks quick. All right. These are guys I would be totally happy if they were my starting quarterback on my fantasy team. Josh Allen. Yep. Lamar Jackson. These are ringer yep. rankings. I agree with all of them. Herbert. Mahomes. Yes, Kyler Murray, yes. I'd be a little bit nervous, but look, whatever. Jalen Hurts. Yep. Wilson. Brady. Dak. Joe Burrow. Aaron Rodgers. Kirk Cousins. I'm not shedding tears if Kirk Cousins is my starting fantasy quarterback. I think he's going to put up huge stats. Derek Carr. And then we move into the the, the Trey Lance, keep your fingers crossed. That's 15 guys. Well, we also, we didn't mention Trevor Lawrence, Winston. Right. Yeah. Two has got a ton of receivers. I wouldn't sure. want him on my team. Sure. Here's my point. Yeah. If you're in a 10-team league, mm -hmm. this is something I've been adamantly opposed to. Okay. I'm willing to now consider it the two QB starters every week thing. I think it changes the league. I think it makes some of the high-end quarterbacks more valuable. And now it adds this drama to my draft or my auction. And as you know, real fantasy people are in auctions and all the losers are in the drafts and, and little booger eaters like my 14-year-old son. But you have the two QBs. There is now real drama in this draft. I do not want to end up with Daniel Jones or Baker Mayfield or Tua as my second quarterback Everyone is on pins and needles the whole time. Those quarterbacks are coming and it mirrors real life because quarterbacks in real life are the most important players of the football team. And in fantasy football, they're not. Um, so you were a thousand percent right on this. Um, Thank you. I, but, uh, which is, so totally agree. Um, but what you're describing, just so you know, I don't think it's a bomb, uh, but what it may be a bomb for your league. Uh, but I completely agree with you there. Like, so what you're describing is a super flex league. Forget two quarterback leagues. I think a super flex league. And so a super flex league, you get rid of defense, you get rid of kickers, you play four flexes. You play a quarterback, two running backs, two wide receivers or three wide receivers, whatever you want, a tight end, and then four flexes. And one of your four flexes can be a second quarterback. So what it does is it allows you to your point, right? Now you're deciding between, or do I want this really good wide receiver, this number three or four wide receiver? or Baker Mayfield, right? If you get stuck there or if you're so super flex. And honestly, I argued for two years, maybe a little bit now that I'm gone. I argued for two years at ESPN, make super flex the default 
fantasy game. Oh, interesting. Up, when you sign up for ESPN, honestly, or any any um, any platform, there's a default game. Like if you don't change any of your um, uh, settings, there's a default game. And at ESPN, the current default game is whatever. Quarterback, two wide receivers, 10-team league that's quarterback, two running backs, two wide receivers, tight end, flex, kicker, and a defense, whatever, six, seven benches, uh, seven bench. And so I was just like, I had the exact same thing. It's boring. It Fantasy football is broken. You're 100% right, which is if you did a real NFL draft, if you, if you did, if you, every NFL team had to throw their players back and you did an actual NFL draft, Josh Allen, Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, those are the guys that that's the first round. And yet in a, in a smart fantasy league, Mahomes goes in the fourth or fifth round. Right. They He's like say, the 50th guy drafted. Right. Exactly. When you're sitting there trying to decide between, um, you know, Patrick Mahomes or Chase Edmonds, what are we doing here? Right. So it, it does not reflect, um, it does not reflect a fantasy football. Uh, well, there, there's one other piece. Yeah. There's one other piece of this. So in the running back, receiver, and tight end positions, we're scraping the bottom of the barrel on the roster, yeah. right? We're taking like the 70th receiver in the league is on somebody's fantasy right. team. And you're grabbing guys on free agency, and it's just they could be the fourth, fifth receiver on a mediocre offense, and they're in a fantasy league. And yet 10 of the starting quarterbacks out of the 32 are not even on anyone's team. And that, again, is the most important position in the league. Bill, so what are we last doing? Year, Bill, last, to your point, sorry to interrupt you, but I was going to say, to your point, last year, Kirk Cousins, who was making over $30 million from the Vikings, was on waiver wires for much of the season until people figured out, oh, yeah, Kirk Cousins is actually, actually pretty good. I, I, so, I, Well, I, then on the foot, and the other piece of this is, if you increase the penalties, so interceptions are minus two, pick yeah. sixes are minus six. Now we have volatility where it's like, fuck, I got to start Daniel Jones this week. He's my second cube. And then he's like throwing a pick six in the first quarter. And like, oh my God, hey, Daniel Jones is good. Now you get to feel what it in real life it would be like to root yeah. for Daniel Jones. Yes. yes. Now fantasy is morphing into real life. A hundred percent. I No, I think Superflex is the way to go. In, in, in Superflex. Superflex. People have been clamoring this for uh, for a while. Uh, so I don't think it's the bomb you think it is, but I will say I'm fully supportive of that idea. I do think, I, I don't think kickers and defense, much as I like them, like to me, Superflex is by far the most fun way to play. And I still like, can can I just do two Q, two starting QBs? Okay. Oh, there's a, there's a ton of two QB leagues. You can definitely do that. You can absolutely do that. Like would I'm Davis saying, Mills start in it? He probably would, right? With some of the bye weeks. Now you're really in, scraping it. In a two QB league, every quarterback has value. In a two quarterback league, like I'm in a, I'm in a, uh, I'm in a deep dynasty league. It's a super flex league. Uh, at 30, 12 teams, 33 man rosters. So it goes super deep. Uh, Danny Kelly, Ringer Fantasy Football Show. Danny Kelly. I've heard of him. Yeah, of course. So Danny Kelly's in the league with me. Uh, and he would tell you too. There was, a, we had waivers this morning, the first waiver since the NFL draft. Jacoby Brissett was out there. There was a bidding war over Jacoby Brissett. Oh my God. He, he's going to start 11 games. And he yeah. has value in a league that deep where you start two quarterbacks. So yeah, that's but that's the exciting part of it. That's the that's the fun part of a two quarterback league or a super flex league. I prefer super flex to two QB league because I think to your point, it gets it gets really mix and matchy. Like, do I, you know, do you want this really crappy second quarterback on a bye week, or do you want like 
you know, you picked up a running back that's going to Devontae Freeman, who's going to be the starter that week for Baltimore, that kind of thing. And guaranteed like eight points versus like the volatility of a shitty quarterback. Correct. Yeah. 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 You know, right. And if if Freeman gets in the end zone now, that's like 16, 17 points. I'm going to convince my, the first league I'm in from since like 1990, where we still the the playoff league. Is this the League of Dorks or is this the East Coast League? This is the East Coast League that has the playoffs. Right. Oh, right. I think I could convince them to super flex it. Because we had the two starting quarterbacks for a while. We were like one of the last leagues to give that up. Have you guys done a draft? We have not. And are you, you guys are redraft every year, right? Like you, we, you we do that. Them. That one is not an auction. Right. And it's but, just like the draft order league, which is great because right. some people could just put on auto draft. Right. Yes. So yes, Bill's East Coast League, take it from me. Try the two QB league or honestly, even better, try a super flexing. I want you, Bill, to do a Superflex League because I think once you do a Superflex League, you'll never go back. It's I, so I can't wait. Fun. All right, here's my next topic for you. The okay. Ringer Fantasy Rankings changed today and made Kristen McC- Christian McCaffrey the number one pick overall. He yep. has played 10 games in two years. Yep. I don't trust him at all. And if I had the first pick, I would not take him. Are you pro or con McCaffrey as the number one pick? I have no issue with it. I currently have him at two. I, I think Jonathan Taylor has both safety and upside. Honestly, I know Frank Reich is saying like, ah, we're going to scale him back a little bit. I don't think they're going to scale him back that much. I think the Colts are going to be a really good team this year. Really good offensive line. Taylor's a better pass catcher than I think. I think you'll see Hines more as a pass catching, as a wide receiver or lining up as a wide receiver than really taking some of the passing down work from Taylor. So I have McCaffrey too. I have no issue with McCaffrey at one, but I do... Um, when my love hate comes out, my love hate comes out on Thursday and McCaffrey's going to be on it because so NBC has to deal with Ro- Yo- Yahoo. So that's been weird for me, honestly. Yeah. So like after 15 years of saying ESPN, like now I'm, I'm all in on Yahoo. Right. But, um, uh, but I am a company man. So, but I don't get this. So Yahoo drafters currently have Chris McCaffrey at five. And that makes no sense to me because I feel like Bill, you should either be like you or you should be like the ringer, which is you're either, all in on McCaffrey or you're out. Because the, the argument for McCaffrey is, look, no one gives a shit about second. It, it's, you know, it's Talladega Nights. It's Ricky Bobby, right? If you ain't first, you're last, right? So you got 10 teams, 12 teams, whatever it is. We're all playing for a title and everyone else doesn't matter. So in that case, if Christian McCaffrey is healthy, look, five, he played five full games last year, had over 24 fantasy points in four of them. He averaged 23.6 fantasy points per game, over 112 scrimmage yards. 23 touches. He was awesome when he was healthy. And if my aunt had uncles, if no, I screwed it up. If my aunt had balls, she'd be my uncle. Sure, sure. 100% (laughs) asked and answered. Can't even get that joke off anymore. He is right. He is Christian McCaffrey. That's his actual legal name. Christian McCaffrey, if he stays healthy. But but my point is, is that if he does stay healthy, he's potentially a league winner. Like he is worth that number one overall. If you knew you were getting 17 games out of McCaffrey, He's the number one pick and it's not close. The question becomes, but so if you're willing to roll the dice on the health, then he's the number one pick. If you're like you, Bill, where you're like, I'm out, I don't, he's burned me too many times, I don't want, I don't trust it, then in that case, you're not drafting him fifth. Like, you shouldn't be drafting him at all. Like, you, you should be like 20th for you. In an auction, I'm not even bidding. Right. Like, he, his name comes up, I'm immediately making jokes and trying to undermine him. In a, See, in a real mistake. draft. Hang I, on. Why would you do that though? Hang on. Why would you do that? If I'm you. Because then people will think, people think I'm doing it because I actually really want him. 
and oh. I'm trying to neg it and then come back in and, and oh. reverse neg it. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I think if you talked them up, I mean, I was in the, in the league probably listens to this podcast to get your, your thoughts on it, but I like, yeah, but they I know I live false herrings. True. Red herrings. <laughs> I, I know, you know, um, our mutual friend Lewis said I had to save him at least one player. I could, there was at least one player that I had to keep to myself. Yeah. Uh, to, uh, to give him as a hint that I couldn't give you. Um, I, if you're talking in round by round draft, yeah. Once we got near the tail end of the first round, I would start talking myself into it. But if it's an auction, no way. I yeah. I personally think it's Taylor Taylor one, Jefferson Cup in some order. I feel okay. the best about. And honestly, I might go Chase after that. I have those three wide receivers because you could argue Cup. How are you going to top last year? You can't have like the greatest year of your life twice in a row. And Chase and Burrow healthy. Their offensive line's yeah. better. But if 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 I have one of those four, I'm happy. The fifth spot is where I get nervous because I don't want to take Austin Eckler fifth or have him be like my highest paid guy. I know I just don't trust him from a health standpoint. He's like not a giant guy. Right. But I mean, well, he, he stayed mostly healthy last year. He missed the one week because of uh, uh, COVID, I think. He may have had a hammy one week too, but um, I do believe in Eckler. Uh, like I have Eckler three. He was my fantasy rider die last year. People had him as a late second round of like, oh, he's not going to get touchdowns. 18 touchdowns later. So I'm like, yes, he is. He's going to get touchdowns because they're going to use him like Alvin Kamara. Joel Amari is coming yeah. over and they're going to use him like that. And they'll use him like that again. Again, he's going to be the lead running back on one of the best offenses in football. That's the thing about any one of these players is you can sort of nitpick at the at the elite level. Derrick Henry got hurt in the middle of last year, but prior to that, he had, and up until the time he got hurt, he was literally winning people weeks every single week. Like he was winning people their leagues. I'm worried about their receivers, though. Like, they do not have a single receiver who scares me anymore, and I don't understand why teams aren't like just going to stack the box in an all-time way. Yeah, I, I like Robert Woods more than you do. Um, he's coming off a major injury, though. I don't. It is. Like, well, I always feel like that's a two-year thing. Yeah, I mean, Henry was... Here's the thing on that offense, though. Last year, when A.J. Brown was out and Derrick Henry was out, they were still able to run the ball effectively with Deontay Foreman who, you know, a month, six yeah. months prior had been sitting on his couch at home. Kind of like that so, guy. You know, yeah, I do too. So I, I, I'm a believer of, but Dalvin Cook has never played, you know, every game in a season in his NFL career. Uh, Nor Kramer, do they want him. I mean, they basically said they don't want him to have like too many touches. Right. So they all are there, but you could you could nitpick on any of them. The, the anti-wide receiver argument, and I'm with you. I think Jefferson has a monster year. I have Cup as my number one wide receiver. Um, and Chase is obviously phenomenal. Uh, the argument there is just the wide receiver position is so deep that you have a better chance of finding finding this year. Remember, last year, Jefferson was a first-round pick, was a top-ten wide receiver, but uh, Cooper Cup was you know going at just inside the top 20. People were drafting Robert Woods ahead of Cooper Cup, including yeah. me. I'll raise my hand and cop to that. Um, and uh, also... Uh, when it came to Jamar Chase, people were freaked out about the, the drops. Again, to your point about ignoring preseason buzz, remember everyone was out on Jamar Chase because he, oh, he hasn't played in a year. And he's had a couple of bad drops. And hey, it's T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. I haven't been my keeper league for like seven bucks because of that. Well, of course, right? Yeah. I mean, so, you know, who watch Traylon Burks, who, you know, is playing with a fourth team, uh, fourth string team, and everyone's freaked out about Traylon Burks. Watch him be the rookie of the year. Uh, as a wide receiver. That's one of my takes this year. Okay. I actually, I'm out on the rookie receivers. And I think because the rookie receivers 
were so surprisingly awesome the last couple of years. Now people think this is a regular thing. Right. And I, I could see like none of those guys getting to a thousand yards. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that people forget for every Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase, there's a lot more Jalen Ragers. And, yeah. uh, and you know, Devontae Smith was a disappointment fantasy wise last year. Jalen Waddle came on towards the end of last year, but you know, uh, he was frustrating for a while. Nikhil, right? Nikhil Harry turned out he didn't have a great rookie year. Yeah. Or so a great it was a shock to second year. A bad rookie wide receiver. Right. <laughs> we finally had one this year. We had our guy. Tyler we Thornton. had the guy who I think could have had the most fantasy points of any rookie receiver, yeah. and he fucking got hurt. Yes. <laughs> no. It's unbelievable. I mean, he I, is 170 pounds. I guess maybe I shouldn't have been completely shocked, but um, but yeah, he was but, awesome in the preseason. Yeah, he was he was having a great camp. I know they were really excited about him. So, right, but there's just a lot more guys like that. I mean, remember how excited people were about Miko Hardman, his rookie year? Did nothing. I mean, he, you know, so... I well, just, that's like this Romeo Dobbs on the Packers this year. Right. Just be careful with the rookies because I do think it was an anomaly to some degree the last couple of years. Oh, there's 100%. Um, it, it, much more often than not that rookie wide receivers don't uh, don't produce. And yeah, people are just, you know, dazzled by Jefferson and Chase. I will say I'm sort of in on Dobbs. I do believe in him just because Rodgers rarely talks up rookies and the fact that he's been talking him up. And also, who else do they have other than Al Lazard? And Al Lazard, by the way, is a value this year as well. People are like, again, the buzzy guy is Romeo Dobbs. No one gives a shit about Alan Lazard. Alan Lazard's going to be the leading wide receiver on this team. Like, and so he, to me, is uh, Lazard's a real value there. But, you know, I mean, like, you think about who else they have in Green Bay, like the ghost of Sammy Watkins, Randall Cobb, like hey, Christian Watson hasn't been healthy. Like, it's going to be Romeo Dobbs. Uh, by the way, I'll tell you what, it's also going to be Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. I think they're going to have a more so balanced that's what I think. in Green Bay. Yeah. I think both those guys... In the, in the seven games in which, under Matt LaFleur, in the seven games in which Matt LaFleur has been a head coach and Devontae Adams has missed, Aaron Jones averages 25.7 fantasy points per game, mm. which would have been number one wide running back in fantasy last year. Like, I actually think A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones are both undervalued this year. Jones is going in the second on Yahoo. A.J. Dillon's going on the, going to the sixth. I think they, they should be much closer together in ADP, but I weirdly think... I, I just think that's more about Dylan's going way too late and Jones is going slightly too late. But I, I, you know, I'd much rather have Aaron Jones than like Nick Chubb, for example. On this very same podcast, we did a segment about who's going to score the most points, what team is going to score the most points in the NFL this season. Okay. And I was saying, I love the Chiefs this year. It's going to be a recurring theme on this podcast for the next three weeks because it's Mahomes and an offensive line. And they trade Tyreek and people are like, ah, oh, the weapons, where are they? And my thing is the biggest weapon in the league is Mahomes with time. Yes. So looking at the Chiefs receivers and supporting cast stuff, if Mahomes has time, I feel like that could be an inefficiency for auctions or drafts. Like just pick your three Chiefs receivers that you let, grab all of them, take all of them or, or spend like a little and maybe hit with one, maybe hit with two, but He's going to throw for 5,000 yards this year, and he's going to get all the same stats he always gets. He hasn't had time as, really since 2018 Correct. where we actually know he's going to be able to cook this year, and I, I just like him in general. So anyway, what do you think uh, of that? Mahomes, Mahomes is going to be awesome. I don't know that I agree with because I think it's going to be Kelsey. I weird, it's hard to say that losing a player the caliber of Tyreek Hill is good for Mahomes. I don't, it isn't, right? Obviously, that's a loss. Having said that, to your point, 
sometimes a quarterback, because you've got this highly paid sort of superstar diva wide receiver, you feel like you sometimes need to force the ball to him and get it to him. Remember last year, they were frustrated because so many teams were playing too high deep on them and like, yeah, I couldn't get deep and there was just a bunch of dink and dunk stuff. And so this year now, they have a much more varied wide receiver core. And so Kelsey will get his, but adding Juju, adding MVS, Sky Moore, um, they have Hardman still there. Um, having all those guys, I think, sort of opens it up from a home. To your point, with time, uh, look around. Jude, to me, the guy that I love there is Juju Smith-Schuster. Me too. Everyone forgets how good this guy was his first couple of years in the NFL. He played with a corpse. He had a right. corpse as a quarterback. Exactly. Like, people, the Pittsburgh turned him into, like, this, you know, this slot receiver, this, you know, like, Ryan Switzer. They, they turned him into this, like, small possession receiver. And it's not because Juju suddenly forgot to play football. Right. It's because Ben Roethlisberger was just toast. He had a noodle for an arm at that point. And, and so, honestly, my take on Pittsburgh is that for everyone bagging on Trubisky, like, that's an upgrade. I, I think Pittsburgh has a better quarterback this year, whether it's Pickett or Trubisky, than they did last year or the last two years. And so, Juju, who's, I think, still only 25 years old, people forget how young he was when he came into the league. Now he's going to play the slot, but he can, he can line up at all three positions. He can run all the routes. And now he's with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. So I think Juju has a monster year here. Um, well, you know what's interesting about him last year? I agree with you on Mahomes. What do you got? The ringer has him 78th overall. So he had 75, 75 catches for 717 yards last year, which is terrible, right? That's like nine yards. He had 115 targets. And you just think like, I watched those Pittsburgh games. Like Ben literally couldn't throw the ball downfield. No. So now you have Mahomes with time and that extra two seconds when guys are running around because he just created two more seconds for everybody. I'm with you. I don't, I don't know how Juju just became a stiff. You have to tie the quarterback to that. A thousand percent. He's had 36 career games with seven or more targets. He averages 18.1 fantasy points per game. Tyreek and Byron Pringle, those two, leave 219 targets. And by the way, Demarcus Robinson's now in Baltimore. So you had that, but like almost a 35% target share is now up for grabs. I'm not saying all that goes to Juju. Obviously, yeah. again, Hardman's going to get his, MBS will get some, Sky Moore, you know, Kelsey maybe gets an increase. But honestly, I do. Don't you worry about Kelsey a tiny bit just because of the uh, history of that position with tight ends? They usually have like the yeah. six, seven, eight great years, but we're old enough to remember fantasy when Ben Coates was an yeah. absolute beast for five years. And yeah. then it just died. Yeah. We've seen that over and over again. We saw it with Shannon Sharp. We saw it with Gonzalez. Like at Jimmy some point Graham. it just ends. You're not, you're not going to be getting your 120 targets right. anymore. And Jimmy Graham and Jimmy Graham. Gates. Yeah. Jimmy Gates Graham. is another great one. Gates was the guy that could sort of limped out there the last couple of years. Uh, I'm not worried about Kelsey just because a, I think he's just, he's sort of a different guy. And I think they'll, they'll be smart about how they, they, they limit his snaps. Like, Kelsey's not blocking. Like he's not a, he's not a, he's not gonna be a right. block. Tight you know, like they're going to be smart about how they use him. And, uh, and so uh, I, I think he's, I think he's going to be one of the leaders among tight ends and targets this year. I don't know that I would love to have him in a dynasty league, but I, do, I think he has one more, at least do I, I think he has at least one more elite year in him. I do. I have a question for you. I don't, I don't like Pitts definitely isn't a tight end. Oh yeah. Do you think Pitts is a pitch should be a wide receiver? What, oh, there's nothing tight end about him. Nothing. They played him as a wide receiver. 
He yeah. was a wide receiver, but we'll pretend it's it's good for fantasy as a tenant. What's your question for me? Oh, I, I have Pitts at three. I think Pitts is going to have a monster year. Just me a too. monster year. Here, my question for you is, two years ago on this podcast, you and I got in, well, we've done this podcast together, I don't know, 15 years, I want 14 years. I don't know how long you and I have done the preseason Probably, football. I think since whenever, I, my first year with the podcast was 07, so probably. And that was my first year of ESPN, so yeah. Yeah. Probably so, at least that or 08, one of those two. Yeah. So I think you and I two years ago got the biggest argument we've gotten into on this one, where I had to where I had to fight for Tom Brady against you in his first year in Tampa Bay. You were out on Brady fantasy wise. I, I was playing the math. He's yeah, 43 years old. I know. But the problem is, is you can't bet against Brady. You can never bet against him. It doesn't matter. He's, I think he went for like two dollars in my draft that year. It's amazing. It was amazing. Yeah. That was good red herring by you. Where are you on Brady this year with the offensive line issues? And uh, and do you think, so it's a two-part question. Where are you on Brady with the offensive line issues? No AB, Godwin coming back from injury. Who knows what you get out of Julio? And do you think Gronk is coming back? I have an opinion on both those things, but I want your, I'm curious for you, what you think. Uh, most concerning Brady fantasy season probably since the 2019, the last Pat season when they didn't really have any weapons. 45 years old. I didn't like the 10-day disappearance of training camp. Right. The offensive line stuff makes me nervous. And at some point, he's just going to suck one of these years. It's the law of our, what is he going to, so if he's 61 years old, do we still think <laughs> he's going to throw for 4,500 yards? Like, right. what is the age where it just becomes completely unrealistic? I feel like we're probably close. I don't, I think his off season was just super bizarre. Maybe it made me really, really uneasy. The retirement, the unretirement, all the different things. Then he disappears. And I, I then he's tied to Miami and Las Vegas over the last couple of years. It just seems like he's all over the map. I will tell you this. He will not be on any of my fantasy teams this year. I'm still in on Brady this year. I think I, okay. I, I, I'm buying the dip on Brady this year. Listen, so he takes a few more snaps from uh, shotgun this year. Like, that's a concern. He still has a very quick release. There's nothing from his play last year that makes you think he's declined at all. Usually, it's not like I don't think Tom Brady suddenly, you know, all of a sudden forgets to play football. Like you'll see a gradual decline, like with Ben and Brady ain't Ben, right? But even with Ben, like you saw it year over year, you're like, okay, a little bit worse, a little bit worse. Like I don't think Tom Brady goes from you know top five quarterback in the NFL to suddenly like quarterback eighteen. You know, I think that it's still going to be a volume play. He didn't come out of retirement whatever's going on to suddenly start handing off. So, well, there's got to be some injury stuff too. Like even think somebody like LeBron who's right, missed yep. 20 plus games the last three years, you know, when you get older, you become just any sure. little thing could become a thing. It is. He, he feels like to me, the, the exception that breaks the rule. I, like, I do think though, Gronk comes back. I do think really people, yeah, I mean, again, I have no inside sources on this. You're probably, you know, closer to the situation than I am. I just sort of think that that uh, when you think about the offensive line issues and the fact that, you know, who knows, you know, we'll see what what they get out of Julio. But the the fact that gets lost on Gronk is how good a blocker he is. Yeah, people won't appreciate that. I mean, because he's you know the Gronk spike and you know all the craziness of his personality, he's actually like an unbelievable blocker. Um, I appreciate and so, it, he, and so. I don't know. I just sort of feel like Tom's like, listen, buddy, get off the cruise, stop with the Gronk cast, get your ass down here. We're running it back one more time. My favorite tight end. Okay. I have some tight ends. I like, boy, we're getting deep now. 
I had Fryermuth for the last couple. Like him a lot. This last year. like eight weeks last year. And you think like it, that's another one where he didn't have a QB, but um, I just think that guy's a beast. He's my favorite. And Njoku was kind of quietly really good as not just a passer, but a blocker last year. And they, and they gave him a contract, like they rewarded him. Um, yeah, the percent thing is scary. Yeah. They don't have a lot of weapons in, um, they don't have a lot of weapons in Cleveland either. I, yeah. my, one of my favorites is Cole Komet. Yeah. a great stat for you on Cole Komet. You mentioned him, your son's targeting him. He had 91 him. targets last year. 91, you know, in an offense that was total shit. And Justin Fields is trying to figure everything out. And Matt Nagy, and like the whole thing was a mess. And yet, even in an offense like that, um, that was a total mess, he still had 91 targets. He was top nine among tight ends and targets and zero touchdowns. Like, you know, we're talking about how Kyle Pitts, how insane that was that he got as many targets as he did. And we know the touchdown regression is coming for him. Same thing with Cole Komet. I'm not saying he's Kyle Pitts, but I'm saying I think the same thing. Like, they had, you know, like Jimmy Graham and, and Jesper and like all the other backup tight ends, I think, scored six touchdowns on 35 targets. Um, uh, I, I have, if I have that stat right. But, and for some reason on 91 targets, Met couldn't get into the end zone. All those other guys are gone, basically. It's going to be the Darnell Mooney and Cole Komet show on, on an offense that I think will be certainly better than it was last year. You well, just made the case for the Bears to have the worst record in the league. All right, you have you have to go. You have a hard out, but you said you have Jalen Hurts as your fourth QB. So yeah. you have Josh Allen as your number one QB or Mahomes? Yeah. I have Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Hurts at four. Interesting. Where's Lamar on that? Like five, six, five. seven? Uh, I have. I think I have Lamar at six, Brady at five, and I might flip flop them here in the next week or so. I want to see sort of what happens over the next week. But. Is Tua on any of your teams this year? No. No. Me neither. Out on Tua. All right. If I, if I get out of that top twelve in the in that uh, in that range, I want Trevor Lawrence or I want Trey Lance. Those are my two my two QB twos. And I and, and we also talk about Kirk Cousins. Like I think Kirk Cousins, Kirk Cousins over four thousand yards and over thirty touchdown passes each of the last two years. He's one of one of only six quarterbacks to throw at least thirty touchdown passes each of the last two years. And he did that under Mike Zimmer, where they had a bottom fourteen passing rate. Now he's getting Kevin O'Connell. That yeah. team is going to throw, throw, throw. So, um, uh, yeah, you know, I think it's going to be um, huge. I'm pro cousins as well. All right. Congrats on the move. Look forward to seeing you on uh, Football Night America. Yeah, thanks, man. I'm really excited about NBC. They've been great to me. Can I get a couple of plugs in here? I have to do some plugs. You already did your plugs. You did them at the top. What? You're redoing the plugs? Well, not the NBC plugs. I was going to get my my other, my entrepreneurial plugs. Oh, do your entrepreneurial guide. Do your plugs. Yeah, I wanted to go to NBC is because NBC's uh, real supportive of all my entrepreneurial stuff. Uh, Fantasy Life app, totally free. An amazing, amazing alerts. Must have. Fantasy Life newsletter. Fantasylife.com presented by KFC. They're our presenting sponsor. Appreciate all of them. This is all free stuff. Check it out. Amazing tools. The newsletter comes out every single day. Go sign up for fantasylife.com. If you hate it, just unsubscribe. But it is, it's chock full of every single thing you need to know. So it, it comes from me and a team of guys that I have are absolutely great. So check all that stuff out. And of course, rotopass.com, best value on the internet. People wonder why you have so many gigs. They don't realize you have 19 kids. I have 19 kids. I have 19 colleges to pay for. Yeah, each kid is worth one extra gig. So you just yeah. got to keep going and going. But I, I like... I like being entrepreneurial. And I know you do too. I mean, I know that I yeah. felt like that was one of the reasons why you left ESPN is you wanted to start your own thing. You know, and obviously, yes. you know, worked out amazingly well for the ringer, obviously. So did okay. Uh, yeah. 
I mean, you know, love that. Well, I, I thought you would do the Kelly Taylor ESPN NBC fighting for you and you say, yeah. I choose me. But you I didn't. Choose, you chose NBC. I should have. Uh, I really should have. <laughs> All right, Matthew Barry, good to see you. I'll see you during the season. All right, sounds good, my friend. Thanks. All right. All right, that's it for the podcast. Thanks to uh, Danny and Ben and Steven. Thanks to Matthew Barry. Thanks to Kyle Crate for producing. Thanks to Steve Cerruti and Dylan Berkey as well. I will be back on this feed on Thursday. More football. See you then. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.